I don't even think that's like funny. That's not clever. Why are you laughing? <laughs> my pleasure headphones are for me. They're for my personal you time. Just, you just went to church. In- Sunday scaries. <laughs> That's my quote. I want that on my gravestone. Listen, white Jesus, please don't strike me down when I'm driving home today. Uh, hey, welcome to Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take a deep dive into a specific film and try to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. In this series, we're talking about slashers, uh, but this week we're taking a, uh, a deep, we're deviating from slashers. We're taking like a, a scenic detour through a slasher adjacent movie one of the greatest ghost movies of all time directed by a uh one of the greatest guys. one of the greatest slasher directors yeah, of all yeah, time so. yeah so what movie did we watch guys poltergeist nice. oh no we didn't do it at the same time <laughs> poltergeist. poltergeist poltergeist ready one two three one Pol- oh, oh no shit, why'd you dude? count I we were counting into it, bro. <laughs> you just counted though again, you just hey, listen, counted one two, again three. camper camera guy all right all right poltergeist, poltergeist. There, there we go there jesus said they're here who did you mean the tv people do you see them do you something's funny going on here next door Mommy? uh so yeah in poltergeist a young family is visited by ghosts in their home at first the ghosts appear friendly moving objects around the house to the amusement of everyone then they turn nasty and start to terrorize the family before they kidnap the youngest daughter uh, an extravagant cast of paranormal investigators is brought in to rescue the youngest daughter and unravel the mystery of the haunting. This was not your first time watching it, I assume. It's mine. It really? was my very first time. Really? The original one? Yeah, oh, the OG, nice. the 82. Yeah. Hell yeah. You saw the, the remake then? Uh, I actually did it, but I walked in on Travis watching the remake, yeah. and so I caught like five minutes of it before we did the episode on Pearl. Yeah, yes. which oh, will okay. be, by the time this comes out, Pearl will yeah, be Yeah, we'll be on out. the Spotify by then. I've heard a lot about Poltergeist before because film school. Yeah. Um, and just like the, it just keeps traveling in so many of these like well-respected film circles. They're like, you know, top 1000 movies you got to see before you die. Uh, you know, hundred best scary movies. Some of the lines from it are like AFI, like ranks it as, you know, one of the 100 best movie lines, which is just, I think the line is just there here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot. This right. house is clean. clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which as soon as I, when I watched it, I kind of had mixed feelings. I came away and I was like, I don't know. Am I going to be that guy? That's why. No, I'm really interested to see hear what your take is having coming into it cold (sighs) like that and having it kind of like hyped by the industry and the the history of cinema. And I I think having seen it now, I realize that nothing was spoiled for me just by like living in like pop culture. Right. There's nothing when people reference Poltergeist that like ruined the movie in any way. Like it still felt like a pretty clean reading other than this is an important movie. I feel like this is a hard movie to spoil though. It's kind of like like the sequence of events isn't so like it does. It's not there's no turnabout or like reveal or anything. It's just kind of I have a specific gripe that's part of like a major gripe. Oh, cool. So I'm going to air my grievances now so we can just tear me apart later. But the music i was like what the fuck clearly you haven't seen poltergeist 3 because that's where they switched uh, it up but yeah they the yeah the it's music steven. is it's like steven man Come that, on that's now. my it's big steven. gripe though is like it's it's like 
bi- perfectly bifurcated Toby sequence, Steven sequence, yeah. Toby yeah. sequence, Steven sequence, yeah. and all the Toby sequences. Am I saying that right? Toby? Yeah. Toby? Yeah. Toby? Toby Hooper. Toby is like, that's the best part of the movie. That's the stuff I like, walked uh-huh. away like, that was dope. But the Steven stuff is like, God, is this still going on? Like the opening, I was like, "How long are we gonna sit?" We get it; they're an average American family. Blah Best blah blah. Like Golden Lab. On ever. with it. Yeah, yeah. Like literally the most American family I can think of. And as an audio guy, this is a gripe, and one I continually harp on is like they just paced over so much of the audio in that movie. Lots it's just dialogue and music. Yeah, and it's like all the Toby sequences don't even like they drop the music, and it's way more interesting. Mm-hmm. It was like Steven Spielberg. It did a great job, like doing this. He did what he does best. I mean, he's franchise, right? I mean, he's gonna make sure you know exactly where you are. It's got Steve- his touch all over it, right? Yeah. Steven treats you like an idiot, <laughs> so he's gonna be like, "Let me sell all of this, and then let you know where you're at, and then here you go." Yeah, but like he also goes through waves where he's like he's innovative and he's yeah. imaginative. But this just felt excessive, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This is like someone didn't pull you back." Like obviously, we're gonna talk about like ET. I was gonna say here and to, this to, happening to, to back up a little bit. Uh, the reason that Daniel and Jamari were talking about Steven Spielberg so much is uh, you know, his like, name is on fucking everything <laughs> in this everything. movie. Literally, the uh, first and last name you see. Yeah. They have two different openings where it says directed by Toby Hoover, but then production by yeah, like Steven. Spielberg. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like producer Steven Spielberg, Spielberg. production company, company Steven, Steven Spielberg, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then the like camera team Steven. It's like yeah. insane. Yeah. I was like, all right, bud, this, you're feeling yourself, stroking yourself a little too much. He's letting you know. He was wearing his pleasure headphones. Yeah, throughout exactly. the entire. The weird thing right. about it, right? So watching it or listening to like interviews that he's had about him and uh, Toby's relationship when it came to this, right? Is that Steven was. Uh, presented a script to him it was called Night Flyers or yeah. something he presented it to Toby Toby says well hey instead of making it about aliens and bad aliens and whatever it was basically like a sequel to Close Encounters correct right? yeah. let's make it let, let make it supernatural so he presented an idea and Steven and his writer went and rewrote and came up with Poacher Guys and he you know Steven brought Toby on because Steven was directing E.T. at the time so he brought Toby on and gave Toby full reigns but then Steven would say well if Toby took too long to answer a, a complex question, I would I would jump in, and like hearing cast members and crew members talk about the film, they said Stephen did most of the directing. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Like, so this is um, I'm glad we can kind of just go ahead and get this into this. This is important. Yeah, yes. this is sort of the most. This is like the second most infamous infamous thing about this movie is the fact that like. It's directed by Toby Hooper, but for, like you said, all those interviews from cast members and other people, um, he gets this really, like, unfortunate end of the stick where, like, and basically it's portrayed as this movie was directed by Steven Spielberg when Toby Hooper sat around and, like, watched him direct the movie, essentially. Right. Which is, like, kind of unfair. Um, Like you were mentioning, the reasoning for that was that uh, Steven Spielberg was in production on uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial, um, which would come out the same year this was released, within (laughs) a week of it. a week after. Definitely cannibalized. Talk about Like, seriously, man. But as part of his clause, uh, with Universal for I know his contract for uh, Universal he wasn't allowed to work on any other movie or direct any other movie at the time um, so the sequence of events that you just described leads to Toby Hooper directing this movie um, they both seem but like you talked about in interviews where they're specifically addressing each other's role mm-hmm. they both seem amiable about, about it though mm-hmm. and so that's mm-hmm. the other thing where it's like I feel like it's like a non uh, controversial controversy exactly I think it's, it was manufactured a lot by that like LA Times like article that came out that essentially said yeah. this this is Steven Spielberg directing a movie and Toby Hooper like twiddling his thumbs in the background. And I think with, with the 
the crazy thing about Steven is, is that I think it's like this weird alpha male thing where mm-hmm. Toby wasn't as aggressive when it came to that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like Steven kind of took advantage of that. That's just me talking, just right. watching years of Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And it's also like just the style talks. of filmmaking of that, Steven comes from that TV. he is. He comes from TV yeah. where he had to produce, shoot, yeah. and yeah. stuff within a certain amount of time. So mm-hmm. it was just like Toby was, you know, his biggest thing was Texas Chainsaw, which was a slower pace. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it wasn't fast or anything because it was the indie, whatever, but still. But it comes from his background as a – so Toby Hooper, he's a Texas boy. He was born in Austin. Uh, he went to the University of Texas at Austin, uh, so he filmed and worked uh, in his early career as a documentarian. So his documentarian style coming out and then, like, doing that and being, a, like, a film professor – um, the whole making of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, yeah, him like carrying those skills over and then having this like super fresh crew of like kids that were just out of film school um, and him like stringing them along and, you know, that's the best macabre fashion. Yeah, yeah. To make to make an awesome in- independent do movie. Do not. Do not. Come on, kids. <laughs> don't don't get your dreams going. Come on, kids. Did you just graduate college? Just, oh, Would you on. like to work on horror movies? <laughs> Boy, do we have the set for you. The amount this of- is related. You'll know what I'm talking about because uh, the shared trauma response that I just witnessed here between the two of you guys <laughs> is just like that was how we met. We, Jamar and that's I how met. we met. Yeah, I through trauma. Through trauma. Yeah. I just saw like the flash of the thousand yard stare in your eyes as you like looked out the window. We both about shared holding a, up a boom for 18 hours. Oh we God. shared a couple thousand yard stares. Yeah. I was talking about on this podcast. I was talking about doing a dialogue scene where they like they lost all the mics. They're like, we're just gonna boom this <laughs> 10 page expo- exposition. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We're, we're gonna do 10 shots yeah. three takes yeah. and it's gonna do it in three hours yeah. yeah yeah jamari was there when i collapsed yeah i thought you i thought you died and i was like well <laughs> we lost a good one today, yeah guys. right <laughs> you're like i only knew him a couple days but he seemed all right them yeah. ours were shaking boy i was like woo. <laughs> the best was the the mixer kept yelling like stop shaking your root your your i can hear you i was like bro do you want to do this <laughs> hard sweat just this is, but this is related because we we have experience in the industry, not just on the one job we did, but like in general, is there's a some depending on the set, but often the producers kind of like will be on set. Uh, it's not always like every single day. I think the rumors, you know, like Stephen was just there on set like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like so, they said he was only gone three days total for right. the shoot. And uh, like young directors or anyone who's only done like one or two indie projects will come in and kind of like they're just like overwhelmed by the excess of budget, by the crew, by just and like by Steven more Spielberg. elements. Like, yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark had just come out. Yeah. And you're working yeah. with this guy who's like, I'm going to tell these people what to do. And like, yeah. of course, you would so, let like, them do that. You, yeah, you're kind of you're also under the gun. So mm-hmm. you're like, you're not going to win any fights when the producer comes up and is like, we got to do this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, so like we've we've done we've seen it happen where like producers will just like co-direct or just like I mean technically it was Steven, some things. So he rewrote it right. and wrote it so I mean yeah I mean you can't really fight it too much yeah so. the one thing I will say though is like so there's this uh did you ever have you seen any of those uh post-mortem interviews with McGarris where he like talks to like horror directors and stuff yes it's a weird fucking looking dude and I he those is. are really awkward to listen to but they're very informative yeah um but he I think he has like the most like generous sort of like response to all that about like Hooper's actual role on set and it's like he he basically says you know he was on set 
calling, you know, like setting up the shots, calling action, calling cut. And yeah, Steven would like, you know, interject when he was there or like, you know, to, right. to make, have his say or whatever. But the movie was directed by Toby Hooper. Like Toby Hooper did the work and like is, you know, should be credited as Plus, director. most of those guys know, like, uh, you know, even if like the movie did well financially, it's mm-hmm. like you just got to take the W's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like they're going to start. And I guess the history of it to, to kind of like get to some of the end of this argument, too, is like Steven may have mentioned you know, like I oh I changed some stuff or I like did some backseat directing. Mm-hmm. Who then like later wrote an apology letter to Toby Hooper yeah. and mm-hmm. wrote this very formal like you did the work, you're the you know you are the director. Was, yeah, like, did you read sentence. some clips of that? Like because it was in response yeah. to like I said, yeah, they, those I mean the letter's like published. Yeah, you can was, read what he wrote word for word. Yeah, it was a public letter and it was like it's it's so sweet. It's a, it's yeah. a, it is a very he's like through it. You know our our roles on this set have been misconstrued or like yeah. the relationship that we had with this film and it's like. That, that's such a nice thing to do like that that i think is a is a mensch move uh yeah so it's like like we say it's like a non-controversial controversy because mm-hmm. both of these guys don't seem that upset about it no or, you, you know they, like you know it's not like a high priority for either of them i mean i, I would say career-wise it, it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> day and night you know yeah. steven blew the i mean he was already blowing up but like yeah yeah, yeah. Where well, Toby it's funny because Poltergeist him. lost to E.T. E. at the Oscars for visual yeah. effects. The yeah. joke's on the Oscars because <laughs> it's the same damn person. <laughs> yeah. I win, bitch. Yeah. yeah. yeah Steven's like playing, ev- playing against himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you cannot lose. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just like such a such a great – I mean, it, you know, it's it's a good – the highest grossing film for Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. You know, he made he made his money. He got he got his shot at it. And, like, they don't seem that upset. Yeah. You know? Have you ever uh, – I was talking about that Mick Garrison interview. Have you heard Toby Hooper talk before? I have not. It's, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I finally heard Mia Goth talk the other day. Oh, and yeah. It blew my mind. <laughs> that cracked me because I thought we had talked about that when we did X. We did, but that was so many months ago. Yeah. I was like – because I, I looked at watched... Travis, I was like, what is wrong with her? Is she okay? Because <laughs> in X, I talked about how I had watched some of her interviews, and she sounds like a porcelain doll. Like, she yeah. sounds like the, a caricature of a small British child, but she's a grown-ass woman. <laughs> right. And it's it's just bizarre to hear her talk. You're like, that's, that's not Is real. Toby Hooper, like, not what you think? Toby Hooper, he's actually, I don't know, he's kind of exactly what I thought he would sound like. He Fair. sounds like he eats gravel for breakfast. Like, yeah. he has, like, yeah, he sounds almost like, like Ralph Ineson. I'll have to of... listen to him talk with my pleasure headphones yeah. on. Uh, that's geez. definitely some asmr uh <laughs> interview for your pleasure um yeah this is a great i don't know uh you said when i was talking to you about this movie you said you had it basically memorized like from front to back i mean i've so you've this. seen it a, a hundred, i mean i've watched this times. yeah since i was a kid yeah probably when i shouldn't have been watching it so and like just the the lore of it the, right you know, being one of the top curse films of all time. Right. You know? Yeah, and we'll definitely get to that in a little bit. Yeah, that's this is definitely like I think it is it's an accessible movie for a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, like this was definitely one of the ones that I watched that like didn't this was like on the level of the page master for me. Ooh, like nice. weirdly. It was just like yeah. weirdly supernatural and stuff, but it yeah. didn't like except for the one scene that I want to talk about in a little bit. Like there's a, a couple of bits in there that like <laughs> jarred me, but um, yeah, my my that's my thing is like watching the movie, you kind of like feel like it's bifurcated. You're like, oh, Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. did this part where there's this like nice little like the music is harmonious, like mm-hmm. it's like beautiful, and they're this like very average American family, and then you get like the Toby sequences where a fucking tree is coming through a window, yeah. like yanking people out of their I beds. Mean, you can see it just through, at least from my, my standpoint, like for the cinematography, yeah. Like, Steven's really big on camera movement. Mm-hmm. So if you're paying but it's attention... that, like, level movement, yes, right? Yes, it yeah. is. So, I mean, like, where um, Steven and Diane, the characters, are in bed smoking weed, it's this weird kind of just... It's unmotivated. They're not doing it's anything not important. It's not motivated. Yeah. And then, like, when the kids get in there, it's, it starts kind of, like, 
objectively and then moves up and then comes down. And yeah. <laughs> like, like it was just Steven likes to move the camera. It's a smooth, like slow paced movement that yeah. you'll see in a lot of his movies where like he'll just like, but it's for the whole scene. Yeah. They're wonders, <laughs> but no one notices cause it's so slow so, paced, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, they're like, they're just two adults like smoking weed on a bed. And here we go. Like, all right, now we're going to like, you know, tilt around them yeah. and, and see this cool angle. I'm like, I, I want to talk about that scene because it's right at the beginning. We can kind of like gloss over some scenes, uh, the plot or some yeah, because the, in the plot. opening's thirty fucking minutes yeah, long. The national I'm anthem playing in the background. <laughs> well, see, there's there's this weird thing with this because like just from like the lore again, the kid, the the son, Robbie, his character was actually supposed to have like a birthday party, and they actually shot a birthday party, oh and that's where he it gets introduced to the clown. So uh, and they yeah. but they took that out. But there's like so many different elements to this movie. Like even the jump cut, which is probably the worst. I read about jump that. Oh my god! Of all time, it yeah. is all because of, of a Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut joke. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, so I guess it's like 30 minutes into the yeah. movie after they've discovered like the paranormal shit is happening. They got we get that scene where uh, we're sliding Carol Ann across the floor with it's the like Rams helmet on. It's like fun paranormal. Yeah, we're like, yeah. Ooh, it's yeah. still yeah. It's like yeah. it's still exciting at that moment. But it's harmless. Uh, Steve, the dad, is like kind of come to grips with it, and they. They're like, why joke, didn't you cook us dinner? And yeah, she's like, we'll like, order pizza. Yeah, and then yeah. I guess there's another joke about Pizza Hut after that that got cut. So they Steven immediately says, are like, I hate Pizza Hut. And they had to cut that because like at that time, Pizza Hut was God. Yeah, Pizza so, Hut was mad. Yeah. In 1982, fuck yeah. Yeah, it was like, so it's, they cut that. It's true what they say. Nobody out pizzas the hut. Wow, Daniel. Wow. Give him that one. Feel good about those finger guns? I do. It's, it's an audio podcast. Yeah, Nobody put, can that that. Yeah, put that away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I was watching this. We were watching this in the living room, and I was watching with Cairo, and she was like, "That has to be a mistake, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, it kind of." So it's jarring. It's, it's so yeah, it's weird. so disruptive. You're just uh, like, oh, <laughs> like in your soul. You're yeah. Like, oh. But yeah, I think yeah. maybe to hit on some of the stuff that might have not have landed for you is there's, yeah, there's a lot of abrupt tone shifts as well, which yeah. I think is another big thing where you can see there's maybe too many cooks in the kitchen yeah. where, yeah, you get those like fanciful moments like that. And then the scenes that you, that I think you're pointing to that are like really Hooper-esque and everything, Hooper-esque, uh, that you can see it. that Toby Hooper yeah. directed. Uh, Hooperian. Yeah, the, the, uh, the audio it. cuts out, the music cuts out, and it's just like kind of really jarring, yeah. like gross yeah. stuff for a while. Um, the first one that I think of is like whenever, so when Carol Ann first disappears, they think she might've fallen into the pool. Cause they mm-hmm. set this up earlier as yeah. like, they're digging this big deep pit in the backyard for a, for an in-ground pool. Yeah. And she like worries earlier in the scene, whenever they're smoking weed about Carol Ann falling oh, in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that Steve thinks to do is to run out there, jump into like the muddy water. He does like, like a cowabunga style yeah. jump too. <laughs> I know. Which is also set up earlier. Apparently, he's like a professional Press diver. Diver, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've been a competitive diver. I was judging his form the entire time. I actually was like watching, like, his legs are apart. Like, what is this guy doing? And that whole part where they're smoking weed. I also yeah. love, I just love this guy. I love Joe Beth Williams and Craig T. Nelson's, like, yeah. their character's relationship. That's great. It's yeah. fucking couple's goals, man. They, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely, because you're looking at it like here they are, like they grew up probably mostly in their teen years in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But I would say this though, this is kind of a, a rare thing, but they wrote Poacher as a, a novel, right? Mm-hmm. At, after the movie, whatever, and it kind of explains their relationship. Because if you remember when they're doing an interview, they're naming out the ages of the kids and the wife, and she's 30, and their oldest kid is 16. Right. So, so then we find out that he actually remarried and yeah. married her. 
So <laughs> I'm just like, just those little tidbits. Second time's the charm, I guess, for yeah. him. You know, <laughs> whatever like, works for that guy. But I think throughout it too, like I don't, and I, I, I'm unsure if my, how much of this is like Spielberg and how much is Hooper, but like the idea of this character too. So like, Craig T. Nelson plays Steve, the dad, right? And he's coach. like, yeah, coach. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, he's in coach. That's coach. Uh, he's also Mr. Incredible. Miss, yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, his from the very first like scene that we get of him like doing his job, he's supposed to be selling real estate, and he's walking a family through a house that is literally exactly like his. They do a fade cut to it where it's like the same exact kitchen, uh, just in a different location, and it's supposed to portray this the running theme throughout this movie, which is you know the conformity of '80s America right. as kind of being the villain of the movie, right? Which I, and, you know, I thought tied into. Sorry, not to derail oh, us, for, but like in addition to that is just like the severe like overwhelming stuff that they mm-hmm. have in their house is like i honestly it's i felt clu- choked yeah. by how much like toys and electronics and just like shit that is in Weird, their house gross and i was carpet, like what like, the hell yeah. and you guys just buy your kids every fucking toy you see like it's come the 80s, on it's, yeah, it's the age of consumerism like, but yeah also like this is the you know during reagan years where the inner sa- cities weren't safe so they were moving right. on suburbia so it's cheaper there so they're gonna be buying in assets you know right right but it is it's that encapsulation of like the conformity that 80s conformity in a suburban like lifestyle Mm -hmm. of you know excessive consumerism you know remoteness from it's a norman rockwell painting like you know brought to life kind of thing that's how the but the uh and the norman rockwell painting grew 20 more years and had like their six-figure income just (laughs) and then was plummeted into the depths of hell like (laughs) right but uh and it's funny though because this correct nelson character steve like you can see this is something that's present in this movie that i think i have a gripe about about the remake that we'll talk about here in a little bit but he's like kind of annoyed by it already and he's this weird sort of uh he's got this inner juxtaposition and conflict of like when they're smoking a joint in bed he's yeah. like reading reagan, reagan the man the president he's reading like a reagan biography and shit um but at the same time he's like weirdly you know he has a great relationship with his wife they're really cool and then they've got like he's he believes everything from the get-go there's no right, like yeah, yeah. there's yeah. not the thing that's been a trope i guess for the last couple of decades of yeah. like the doubting man yeah, the doubting husband having to, to enforce i guess it starts with amityville horror or whatever but with you know the right. james brolin yeah. but like even in this one yeah he's he's on board like from the get-go and they kind of they start problem solving together um and it's a weirdly like yeah it's it's a it's a pleasant thing to see in a, in a story like yeah. this i guess it ain't no way that would happen now yeah the, the the you know moderate like suburban american man would pull what i call paranormal activity and just like make it oh, yeah. worse yeah yeah he's like yeah that's not ghosts aren't real as soon as like a fucking plate hits them in the head or something but that's yeah. the other funny thing about the nature of this poltergeist is it's explicit that's like it. there's no yeah. fucking about it's yeah. like from the, the very every beginning. time they're like it could be a ghost and a, like a whole piano just moves. yeah I mean, it, it, they shut it down when the the, yeah. the chairs were stacked on it where she you know her character that i she, she, she turns and looks and turns back around and all the chairs are stacked and it was like oh i can't deny this like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like once that happened you're like oh this shit's real so which yeah. is kind of refreshing especially for like an older horror movie like yeah. an older ghost movie because so much of like you talk about paranormal activity man that is a that is a, a like an olympian effort to go get through which, if you watch ironically them. produced by steven spielberg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he owns a cursed copy a cursed dvd copy of paranormal activity cursed in what way that like 
I don't have the answer to this, but I know I read it at like fun fact somewhere that was like, apparently there was a copy of this movie made that like the person who delivered it died a day later or something. What? And they were saying like Steven Spielberg owns that cursed copy. Just that, That's an entire script in itself is like Steven Spielberg, like putting that in one day and then like the ghost of the UPS driver appearing on, like, on screen. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but the, that's kind of the fun thing about this is, yeah, there's no fucking about the, uh, yeah, the chair scene that you described is like, I guess, uh, talking about the visual effects again, um, that was one of Toby Hooper's favorite sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because you notice that's all like a single shot, right? Yeah, Where yeah. we're talking about uh, when we first start seeing the weird stuff happen, there's kitchen uh, chairs around the kitchen table. Um, and uh, Joe Beth Williams' character goes and like pushes all the chairs in and then walks to the kitchen and within five seconds turns back around and all the chairs are stacked up on top of the they table. They said it's a seven second transition from the camera the chairs are off camera to when mm-hmm. they're back on camera yeah and apparently what happened was there was like literally eight people hiding in the cabinets underneath like <laughs> the uh the kitchen counter there and there was a prefabricated yeah. tower, of, tower of chairs yeah. that's that, the only way you could do it yeah, yeah. They, you imagine like eight people like okay angle this one over here yeah. there's like weighing chairs against each other that would be cool too that'd actually. be 50 takes before they even get <laughs> remotely close yeah. that'd be the yeah. dumbest way to do that yeah but they all just jump out yank all the chairs out and put the big chair tower it was probably on top in like it. two or three pieces too is because like because yeah, it's, no way, it's yeah. tall so yeah. you can't just hide it off camera like that mm-hmm. but they would have like an easy like like maybe magnets or something kind of snap it in place mm-hmm. i was thinking about that i was like how would a production designer make that happen mm-hmm. and the chairs would have to be lightweight like They'd just oh, yeah. be like prefabbed into like out of plastic or something. Mm-hmm. Magnets to just kind of click into place. Like we'd never see her like interact with this tower other than be like, oh my God. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's a couple of good things. I think doable. it pays off for a while though. Like there's a couple yeah. of uh, like there's some visual effects in this movie that work really well. Like that, like the subtle stuff. And there's some others that are just hilarious. Uh, yeah. You want to go ahead and talk yeah. about that? That's my favorite well, fucking scene. So I, I don't to... want to go that far yet. Yeah. I want to clarify for the audience, too. We're kind of like skipping around in this movie because nine jumping. tenths of the movie is just they get haunted. haunted. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, that's kind of why I don't think this is a very easily spoilable movie. It's yeah. just like once things get going, it's just like moment after moment. The main, I mean, the main. There's arc... only like three real like story points. Yeah. yeah. Which is Carol Ann gets scooped up by the. She gets sucked she into, gets sucked into, into a weird the vortex. Limbo. Yeah, and then One they night. have to get her out. Yeah, and that's kind of like the main, the main right. thrust of everything. And then all the other stuff happens in between. Right. Um, Would, you know, like give or take. Like the haunting sequences are my favorite, but mm-hmm. all the stuff in between, I'm like, we got to trim this down. Like if I were the editor, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, why is the opening? Like why is there? We're at a parapsychology division. They enlist the help of some like, you yeah. know. Like you do. Yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren-esque people, yeah, except not the, Catholic and more weird. Yeah. The the pair the center the department of paranormal research right yeah. and that they like are they these guys have all these theories and i'm like all right we've heard like 18 different ideas of what's happened we can kind of mm-hmm. we can cut this down to like the more fun bits yeah because they set that up and the fun parts are when they finally get to the house and these like paranormal investigators are like i recorded a small toy truck move seven, seven feet over the course of eight <laughs> hours <laughs> would be naked to the to the normal eye but i put it on a time-lapse camera and they open the, the door, door and shit's literally just, <laughs> just flying, flying everywhere um, yeah, I, I like that though because it's funny because I guess this sets up the trope of you know yeah the paranormal investigators coming in. Well, I guess not really because the haunting did that uh, in 1960, but um, right. 
it's yeah this idea of it's it's always yeah the 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 lead female investigator and then the two like buffoons who come along and are just like right. the interns who have to do I don't all know. the audio insidious and, yeah. words do though uh, what's his character this could sound bad but the black guy Ryan he's the one with all the ideas yeah. yeah that guy was like here's ten things I thought of yeah. and what's actually happening well he's also the most useful one because he stays there he after stays Marty like, yeah the fuck out yeah well, the funny thing if you watch like Shutter and it's like uh, Horror noir or film noir, yeah. that documentary about how you know black people are in uh, horror history, and he was just mentioning that like you know he was just happy to be there and be on a Steven you know Spielberg's production yeah. at that time because it was just like it was a big role for him. So yeah, I mean it, the crazy thing about this too with Steven Spielberg, like I think when he rewrote this story, uh, there's like a rumor out there he stole this from a Twilight episode twilight zone episode hmm. and it's uh it's called i can't remember the name it's something like the girl that fell into another dimension hmm. and it's basically this girl falls into a dimension in her bedroom through a wall and her parents go in that dimension to save her mm-hmm. and like it was big hoopla like you know that he still this but like yeah because i wondered like so i was like, thinking about a couple of different inspirations like for this movie that could have been potential like because you talked you said insidious and there's obviously other movies that have copied yeah. this and that right. have redone it and everything uh but the, one of the ones that came out recently is uh the conjuring 2 yeah. uh which is based on the enfield poltergeist yeah. which is like the most yeah. famous haunting in britain where it's it's kind of the same stuff where it's like a haunting that revolves around a small girl who can like teleport through the ceiling essentially yeah. and do some weird shit and there's a similar sequence of events where like a whole team of paranormal investigators comes and stays for yeah. a while and, and they use like all their like 80s electronic devices mm-hmm. to like monitor yeah. to like yeah, monitor esp stuff, yeah. and stuff like yeah. all that stuff and you're kind of like i mean all right <laughs> science science, science. yeah um, but yeah, the uh, so like the whole sequence where Caroline gets uh, kidnapped is really fun though. I think because this is the the tree sequence. We gotta talk about talk about the Whomping Willow. Like this yeah. whole thing is that that kind of messed me up when it was like eating the kid. I was like, oh shit! Yeah, it messed you real. up. It messed up Robbie, dude. Yeah, that, <laughs> he that comes out the, of that pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, he said that sets up the whole <laughs> his whole story. Just like getting eaten by a tree, then getting sent off, and then coming back to the house where, like, his parents like, oh, no, it's cool, and then getting, like, fucked yeah. with again, and then, like, screaming to get the fuck out of there. We yeah, were talking yeah. about this, like, when you before you got here, we were talking about this off mic about Robbie's journey throughout this, <laughs> because at a certain point in the movie, Robbie just gets sent <laughs> away on a taxi with the dog and, no like, suitcase. nothing else. Just and the clothes oh, yeah. I'm sure they mention it at some point, like, where he's going, Go but away, it's yeah. like, he's just like leaving like yeah. he's just going his to the grandma. city he, he's going to his grandma. grandma's house yeah okay. she's like planning all these fun, fun activities for him that's what it is because i just imagine him like going off and having to get a job and like just living <laughs> in the city as a bachelor with a dog like, <laughs> it's like this like he's like seven-year-old kid like coming home after work like undoes this seven-year-old tie it's like, a clip-on pours himself <laughs> a little like <laughs> cup of apple juice and like turns on the television to watch news it's just like all right he's, he's got man. e-buzz there too he's got his buddy and so it's like right, whole, yeah. The you know. golden retriever is yeah. just waiting for him. He's like, "Do I have to take you outside?" <laughs> '80s were a different time, but just the image of him getting sent off in that taxi. Poltergeist makes the up. case that the '80s were a weird time. <laughs> it's a wild Absolutely. west out there, man. Absolutely. Just to uh, just to remember, like at, at a certain time, that TVs used to go into the, dun, 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 yeah, <laughs> like just remembering that. And go, oh yeah, they used to do that. It was like two, but still, yeah. Um, yeah, so we get like uh, all the sequences with the paranormal investigators coming in. They do like their their EMF stuff, and they're trying to like place the source of Carol Ann. Uh, they make connections with her. 
uh, through just like a medium seance kind of thing when Joe Beth Williams' character is like talking to her and they can hear her ghostly disembodied voice. Right. Um, well, she kills it in that scene, man. Like the yeah. mother, like she, that, I felt all of that. There's one of the, another one of those weird tone shifts though, where yeah. you get that very twinkly like music box music in the background. That's and what I'm saying is I hated like, the music. Yeah. And I was so mad. They're all smelling the scarf and yeah. stuff. Just like smell it, I smell, smell my rim. scarf. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! And then the entire room just gets blasted with like with air and explodes and rocks and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. The uh, that that kind of like kicks off. I think like the funnest like back to back like areas of the cool special effects and everything where um you get like the weird matte painting stuff but then also just like the practical yeah. shit of like all the furniture moving around um we haven't talked about yet the uh, the rotating gurney set that was used for a couple of, of the different shots yeah uh that was a big thing so i guess it's kind of become like when people see behind the scenes stuff of uh, some christopher nolan um, <laughs> shit whole or fucking anything else though. yeah this is kind of like another example, example of that. Yeah. This and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street use mm-hmm. the the idea of you put an entire fucking set on a rotating, you know, axle essentially, um, so that either if you know the kids are getting sucked into a portal and you need the room to be sideways, except you like remove one wall mm-hmm. and then film like on a pretty broad perspective and keep the camera stationary. So mm-hmm. if you need to rotate the hallway, like the actor can kind of climb with. Mm-hmm. This so now they're on the ceiling and they're yeah. like freaking out like they're being dragged around mm-hmm. when really you're literally moving the entire space right. around them mm-hmm. and the camera doesn't you know it doesn't move at all but it looks like it's going nuts yeah it's a famous scene like uh it was on it was on the tv in the living room before this but yeah that scene of uh joe beth williams like crawling up like the side of the wall and then onto yeah. the ceiling and all the way down the other side of the wall which has been used a lot like in a lot of stuff we talked about a scary movie and how yeah. uh it's so weird to try to separate this movie rewatching yeah. it again from all of like the the redos and tropes that have been made out of it yeah. um but it's it's cool stuff like i think it's uh it, that and then like i do want to talk about so marty's face melting off yeah. Um, this is because we're kind of in the middle of like them having like the stakeout essentially, right? I feel yeah. like you house. should go back to just their first encounter because with Carrie Ann, because the famous line "they're here" thing, oh my god, was yeah. a big thing. And like, there's a, um, there's a, um, good god, I just forgot his name. Shining director Kubrick is a big Kubrick reference in it because on the channel, yeah, uh, it's two thirty seven in the morning. Oh, room two thirty seven. Yeah. So oh, yeah. and then like you know that's always been associated with like kids in danger. This so. is amazing because every time people draw the two thirty seven connection, I'm like, this is some production designer who is like, you know, to really weird. fuck with people. <laughs> He's like, you know what would be really funny? Because yeah. these are the kinds of like, I talk about Easter eggs a lot where I'm like, you know, in, in practicality, that Easter egg is the idea, not of like a director, but of like yeah. your, because, you know, you've had like set designers who are like, oh, I made this look like yeah. the set from because yeah. that was our inspiration. And then people are like, see what they did there. It's thematic. I'm like, I feel like the production designer just like needed ideas. I just hope I get to hire a production designer that does that. Right. <laughs> right, right, go, right. Oh, yeah. Thank this you. is your entire job. It's like, yeah, if you sit around Jamario for puts two thirty seven. Seven on everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I was What's your weight? Two thirty-seven. Please, God, no. I was hoping, like, you know, change my Instagram handle to something like two thirty-seven. Have it right. in there somewhere. Yeah. Right, right, right. But it's the stuff like, oh, the carpeting in this one room is the same yeah. as the shine. You're like, I mean, that's a that's a that's like a, a set designer idea. Yeah. So I'd like to give credit to those people because I like nine times out of ten, that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, the the here their here thing happens at the very beginning though. Yeah, yeah so right. the monsters it's, have it's to get like, unleashed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it is her like interaction with it. That's the classical thing is like the the young kid interacting with the poltergeist and unleashing it on the on the rest of the family or the household right. by giving it energy. 
Um, and that's what they argue is like the reason she's trapped in there is that all of the other spirits or forces are feeding off of her energy. Um, well, she's the only one that was born in that house. That's what they kind of like talk about. She's like, Mm -hmm. well, they say she's five years old and they've lived Mm -hmm. there for six years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they were saying like roughly timed around her birthday, they realized she's the only one that's like native air quotes to the region. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's what it's why she's the one who gets kidnapped. And also she's the youngest of them all. Mm Yeah. Which for plot purposes is also like it's unspoken. It's <laughs> yeah. not like a. It's not like overt. Like they're like ah yes. It's specifically because she's five and this. You've been here six years. Like they just kind of like the, they just tell the, her like she's just a beacon of light. Yeah, you know, she's supposed to like maybe she's some kind of medium where like lead him to the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The 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 ghosts in this I feel like are a lot less uh, ominous than the remake because uh, there are a couple things in the remake that I want to talk about that like. Are, are interesting changes from yeah. this that I also think kind of like take away from it. Um, did you see, I know you, you haven't oh, seen the 2015 one either? I, oh, no, only the one that oh, the, I walked in when I saw you watching it. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we caught like a, a lot of it when you were over, I think, that yeah. day, uh, most of it. But yeah, I caught the, like the fun, like some of the fun sequences mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, Sam Rockwell's in it. Uh, when as we identified the, uh, cousin, character. what's his face from Succession? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, the fucking... Uh, Oh my god, I forget the name of that actor. Is it actor Cousin now. Greg or something? It's Craig or something. Craig, is, yeah. it, 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 One of the actors from Succession is in the remake of Poltergeist yeah. with Sam Rockwell. And Basically like playing the Marty character. Obvious, because he's like tall, dangly, and awkward. Yeah, yeah. That's like just the guy from six, Succession, seven, but in yeah. a horror movie. Yeah. yeah, he shows up everywhere. Sunday Scaries. But the remake uh, does so. The Sam Rockwell character, who's like the dad, uh, he plays Steve in that one. Instead of being like uh, an employee of the real estate company, he's just an unemployed. Like he's recently unemployed from like from John Deere or something, and so he's job searching throughout the entire like events of the movie. And it's weird because it kind of like disconnects like that main character from the whole theme of the original movie, which is that like it was this sort of like corporate hubris and you know consumerism that like initiated the events which of like he everything. is an agent of because he helps mm-hmm. sell those houses to other people yeah. yeah exactly and then like there's that because that's the full arc of steve in the 1982 movie is him coming around and like realizing oh mr teague my boss is the the reason this is all happening it's yeah. his fucking fault uh and in the in the remake like the remake is really cool in that uh, it's a lot like I compared it to like the Evil Dead remake from 2013. Okay, where it's like aesthetically, it's really cool because mm-hmm. obviously it was made you know 40 years later. Um, it's really cool to see the like the use of special effects and how it can like really elevate a story that's sort of very near and dear to a lot of. Uh, horror fans um the evil dead remake is like it's just fucking metal as hell and like mm-hmm. very very yeah. intense yeah. um and does a really good job of like even though it hits beat for beat basically every event of the original movie kind of amplifying it and making it even scarier the 2015 poltergeist i think is definitely like scarier, scarier. than this movie mm-hmm. um i think it's a lot more inspired by like the j horror stuff because with yeah. all the like the hands on the yeah. tv screen from the other side right yeah. um because the ghosts like i said the ghosts in this movie are kind of like they're mostly disembodied mm-hmm. and you get Get, like vague scenes into the the Spielbergian anus but you of could, the portal, oh like and then, <laughs> don't but, ever say the word Spielbergian anus. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. Like that's disgusting. It is, but that's kind of yeah. It's the big giant portal where all his ideas come from. <laughs> straight from that, straight out of his ass. He's yeah. pulling it out of his ass. That's what we were, we're never going to be hired by that guy ever. <laughs> Steven Spielberg will be like, I heard on your podcast one time that all my ideas come out of my ass. Sorry, man. 
That's what I was. I was telling Jamario. It's nice. It We're gonna like, blame Travis if that ever happens. Yes, I mean it's my fault. Yeah, uh, I never technically said that was. I'm ruining his career, not mine. <laughs> uh, There's a nice symmetry of him having done the Nope episode and then coming back and doing this one because it's too like Spielberg, like touched by Spielberg yeah, kind of things, right? That spectacle, that uh, sense of like wonder and amazement, but also terror. Yeah, we yeah. had the uh, we had the the original 1982 Poltergeist on in the living room earlier, and yeah, it was the scene with the giant portal opening up, kind of towards the end of the movie right. with uh, Carol Ann getting. Which the in. last 20 minutes of that movie goes hard in the paint. That yeah. was like, that made me go from like, I don't know, to like, all right, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I was telling Trav, like, the only time I was like let down was like in the third act where you have Steven, the dad, leaving to go finish whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's like going all day. He goes, I got to tell my boss to go to hell. She's like, what is he going to do if he says you no? You have a phone. Give you can him do directions. That. Yeah. You're like, yeah. All right, dude. It's just, it's just a good line, whatever. But you leave your family after you think the ghosts are going because you have like this lady goes, it's clear or they're right. gone or whatever, right? But like you have Robbie. I, I'm going back to Robbie because who I relate to. <laughs> it's, it's all about Robbie. Dude. Who had all this trauma. He remembers yeah. it all other than yeah. his mom. And like they're like in the house, like nothing happened. And then shit pops off again. And then you have the clown puppet attack Robbie. Right. And like he's this like fucking forced, clown puppet, man. Dude, like he's forced to defend himself. He's like ripping it out. But it's also like a backstory to that, that the clown actually was choking him. And Steven Spielberg had to jump in to pull the, the clown yeah, off. Yeah, they thought him. he ad-libbed it when he said, I'm choking on camera. And but he was actually His face choking. turned purple and they went and fucking <laughs> saved his ass. <laughs> so not only like his character, but like his real life, we was in threat, you know? And I, I, it just drives me nuts. That whole, but it doesn't pick up. It picks up again for me once, like they get in the car after he fumbles the keys, right? Or whatever. And then the whole neighborhood, goes <laughs> right? Nuts. But also yeah. like the line before that, when he's confronting his boss, and he was like, "You moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies." Didn't you? And he's like, you son of a bitch. You moved the headstones, but you kept the bodies. Yeah. He's like, why? It's like one of the best lines. Yeah. Like, why? Why? <laughs> and then you have like him fumbling the keys to get out of there. And then poor Robbie is like in the car freaking out. And his sister pulls up in her trans M with a kicking on her neck going, <laughs> what's happening? And Robbie's in the car like, dad, just go. Just go. Dad. Yeah, that kid was ready. He was done, son. That's who I relate to is Robbie. I'm like, yeah. yo, I would be like, yo, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I yeah. will say this too is like that last that entire last sequence. Yeah. I was thinking of you when I was watching this because I was like, "That's some white people that shit, shit right there." Right. Like, that whole them staying in the, in house. the house at I all, like, at all. As but soon as like, my kid would have been up watching TV talking about, "Oh, they're here," I'll be like, "Yo, we got <laughs> we're out. Nope, we're I was out. over here earlier with Trav, and like his lamp was like blinking. I was like, "Should I leave or <laughs> should I just ride this out?" I really want to talk about Poltergeist, but I don't want to experience right so, Poltergeist. Yeah, I'm out. The, yeah, the last sequence, uh, it just fucking ramps up. It's just parabolic, like, towards the end. The, yeah. the action just keeps on fucking going. Like, once the, uh, the the portal opens up and then the house implodes on itself. Yeah, uh, and, like, all the coffins come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff I thought was just so, like, impressive and inventive in such a, like, kind of terrifying way. And, like, real obstacles. Like, mm-hmm. not the, like, contrived 80s, like, we can't go down the stairs kind of shit. <laughs> but, like, there's, like, a giant mound of dirt. Like, you can't get around right. that. Like, right. you're trying to save your kids. And she gets in the pool. That's where we get to talk about the curses, though. Right, right. now yeah. we're the curses. So, as we said, the second most infamous thing about this movie was the Toby Hooper Spielberg stuff. The most infamous thing about this movie is the alleged poltergeist cursed. Uh, so the two uh, the two actors that play the daughters in this movie, um, uh, O'Rourke uh, Dunn. yeah. So uh, Joe Beth, or sorry, um, 
what is her name? Heather O'Rourke plays uh, the youngest daughter, Carol Ann Freeling. Um, so she was like eight when this movie got made, I think. Uh, yes. She lived for another six years, but in 1987, she uh, contracted a bacterial infection um, from the well water at her family's home. That went septic. Uh, a misdiagnosed Crohn's, Crohn's disorder. disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the following year, uh, leading to complications from like a bowel obstruction, she uh, passes away at the age of like 12. Yeah. Um, On Poltergeist 3. Yeah. She was filming Poltergeist 3. In the midst before. of filming for Poltergeist 3. Yeah. Um, so Dominique Dune, uh, who plays Dana Freeling, the teenage daughter, uh, in October of the year this movie came out, uh, she was having an argument with her boyfriend uh, at his apartment, uh, and he strangled her to death uh, at her apartment, uh, and she died the year that, in 1982, God that this damn. movie came out. She died days later after. She was on life support, support. for like a mm-hmm. few days, and they did some scans and found that she was yeah. brain dead due to uh, asphyxiation and oxygen deprivation to her brain. Which then leads to Poltergeist 2, where you had the guy, the shaman, he passed away because of surgery, surgical complications. And also the guy who played Revan, uh, uh, Revan uh, Kane. Now, people get into this, but he had stomach cancer before he started the movie, but he died during principal photography. And they couldn't f- finish this scene, so they made like a, a mole of him in a monster and stuff like that. And then, of course, with O'Rourke dying in Poltergeist 3, which they finished principal photography, but they had pickups. So there's this scene that they're dragging, carrying her out, like our auntie's carrying her out. That's not her because she's oh, already wow. passed away. Mm-hmm. So it's dark. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people die. But yeah, it's weird because weird how also like with Toby Hooper, some his I don't know because obviously Texas Chainsaw Massacre was also plagued yeah. by um, all of the, the the shitty things that happened on the set of that one. Um, he like I don't know he's like a weirdly uh, in one of his interviews he's talking about like if he he believes in ghosts and Toby Hooper also had like weird experiences with paranormal shit where he says he's like after his dad passed away he would like experience poltergeist activity at, at his own house where like plates would get thrown across the room and like like glasses would burst and I'd be like all uh, right you're you're yeah. also a storyteller but this is yeah. like kind of cool to hear if just him tell it or whatever but him saying that he like saw shadows in his house and invited people over to like to see them and. Uh, yeah, no, it's weird. I don't know why dudes, I like uh, do that shit, man. I, yeah. Why do y'all do that? <laughs> we just be playing with the like, bro. I don't play with shit like that, son. <laughs> I mean, poltergeist is the the literal definition of poltergeist is banging ghosts, like making noise ghosts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, why? Like, you would have been way out, Toby. Like, why, bro? But, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. You can't do that, no, man. Um. Yeah, so it's this movie, which was weird because I feel like for movies that are not as particularly scary or anything, it, it's yeah. weird to have them associated with uh, the the darker, like unfortunate production or not production, but I guess just like background and trivia. Um, yeah, it's sad. I mean, uh, it makes it fun. Yeah. It makes it fun. Right. I mean, their tragedy <laughs> makes it fun, but like you know, yeah. I mean, you, you invest a lot more into those things and you pay more attention to it. So like. Of course, when 2015 Poetry Guys came out, we were like, okay, what's going to happen? Is yeah. the curse real? Who's going to go? Like, who's going to go? But, like, Sam Rockwell happened. just catches a cold. Like, right. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but that's an interesting, like, observation, too, is, like, do you think people who know about the curse before they see any of the movies think it makes it, like, a scarier movie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they're like, they're like, I'm watching this little girl's, or this teenage girl's, like, one and only performance Do you or know something? how bad Ringu messed me up? And, like, it oh, was man. just... It was just because, like, if you watch this tape, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 The blah. idea. You you're watch like, this commercial, you're like, yo, yeah. what is this? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it plays heavy in it. Because I don't, I mean, I didn't know about, I don't, 
I didn't know about any of the deaths before I saw the, the any the first Poltergeist. I haven't seen yeah. the other ones, but I so my like this is all coming clean, and I'm like I learned I did some research this morning, um so like learning about it, I was like oh man that's so sad like it didn't it, I don't I don't know if like people knew like knowing that would have changed the way I watched it or not so I'm like on the fence about that idea. Yeah, I guess there's also like a darker thing of of like you said does it does it make it more it, it's interesting now that we're like a couple of decades removed and we can kind of like talk about it in the context of you well, know, the history you know, of this movie. But like in in modern stuff it it's it's a weirder I don't know I feel like that that kind of actually steers us away from stuff now where like if you hear about dark shit going on in the background of a movie it's more of a tragedy well okay it's a recency thing this too, is I, I wonder yeah maybe it's a recency bias but i also think too that like there's something about like seeing like when someone passes seeing mm-hmm. some of the last public uh like appearances or like speeches or anything Chad they give me, thank you dude that was in my head is yeah. i was like people Bozeman now me, they replay clips of him yeah. talking and they're like holy shit how didn't we st- why didn't we see I, this coming i literally had a conversation with my wife it was on instagram it was like the last post he made and when he was at you know it was um uh, he was at a black historical historical museum or something and he yeah made that post and you just saw it in his face and i was like He's not getting ready for roles. Like something's fucking wrong. But right. like the internet ate him alive on that. And then we found out this man had been dying yeah, for like five cancer. years. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, he does like hospital visits. So there's like footage of him greeting other kids yeah. with cancer. And he's just like, like they're like, oh, he's so empathetic. Like he does a great job with this. And you're like, yeah, because he's fucking living it. <laughs> yeah. Like he he knows. And that like it's so interesting. We rewatch that stuff now with a fascination that feels like. Why didn't we know? Oh, I refuse like, to this watch is Black Panther. Yeah. It's tough. I can't watch it anymore. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is different because it's fictionalized, right? So, yeah. like, we're not seeing, you know, um, what we say? Heather, Heather O'Rourke. Heather O'Rourke, O'Rourke like, O'Rourke. just talking in the press. It's more just, yeah. like, her performing. Which well, you can she kind of gets shortchanged in the movie, No, you though. can f- physically see it. You know, she had chickmunk cheeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you look at Portrait Guys 2, her faces, whatever, and people were making fun of her because they thought she was gaining weight. Yeah, but it was actually you know yeah for all that stuff is yeah. like that's why she was swelling. She already yeah. has such an interestingly shaped face. Yeah. like her her head is a dome. It like is. it's just it's very spherical. Yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But <laughs> not knowing it, I kind of came in and was like, I mean, this movie's pretty good, yeah. and I don't know if it would. I don't think it would change my assessment watching it, but I do think like some people might have had the opposite effect, where like the horror fans especially get might get introduced to this whole thing now because we live in the, the time like they would know about the curse before they saw it and so they're like i'm gonna well, watch the poltergeist film well, it doesn't help that like shutter right made a whole show about curse films yeah right leaning into that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i mean yeah it's just like a and because I mean, yeah it's the same stuff with like the exorcist too and yeah. like how like yeah, her absolutely right in such an odd and... like sellable aesthetic which you know it takes a really like there's some moral stuff that you're like i don't think I that think, was a good idea yeah i think yeah. that the yeah i so said the most cynical aspect of it is yeah it creates you know the mystique behind the movie that right. like if you're if you're interested in the background of movies it sort of just adds layers to it yeah. but i think it, it does yeah it varies from case to case and from like like you said the whole thing with chapter Bozeman and those being super like what was movies. his last movie 21 bridges no it, it was, was voice uh, acting on a what if right yeah, yeah. what if was his last yeah voice like, acting but his physical was uh the five bloods okay oh that's right yeah 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 because yeah. his castmates were saying he had like a huge entourage and they thought he was a star and they're like no that's his chemo doctor yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's like i i think like i knew that when i saw the five bloods and mm-hmm. i mean like you can kind of tell that you see it it's in his face it's in you his body it. and his you face see it everywhere yeah yeah but i guess yeah there is a difference between like you know when some of your final roles being like you're he was a hero right right in his movies yeah. and like an icon um like a cultural icon versus you know like 
think of uh, like Anton Yelchin, right, on uh, mm. the set of Green Room. Exactly. Like, so he passed away, and it's more of a, it's more of a, it's still tragic and everything, but like it's just more of an like a, a trivia note, like a macabre trivia note. Yeah. Um, yeah. That he died in a in a bizarre accident, and then this was like the last movie he made, which had just happened to be a, a slasher epic or thriller or whatever. Right. Um. But yeah, I think it does vary, like from like I said, genre to genre and actor to actor, because it, it's hard to compare. Like, yeah, like Chadwick Boseman being like right. Black Panther and like the cultural yeah. significance of that, and then also like and then dying before the production of the sequel to that. Yeah, as part of the giant Disney machine and like all those stuff, like the background it was of like, it. Once we get one, mm-hmm. boom, gone. I was yeah. like, shit, bro. Yeah. Like, like watching the trailer for Black Panther two is like hard for me to. Yeah, my thing was like you know character wise i was like oh, let's move on let's let's just recast right but yeah. i understand why they didn't do it but yeah. like it's still like I don't know. it's a yeah and and in that scenario it's like a damn defeat you damn defeat situation yeah. so it's like they're always gonna they were always kevin's gonna playing lose. smart yeah kevin's playing exactly smart. but it, it poltergeist like we didn't know any of this the other thing is the suddenness of her death um, which reminded me of Chadwick because uh, we, it was sudden to us. Yeah. Like one day I was just looking at my phone and I got a notification like he's dead. And I was like, that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I imagine that sensation was similar. Mm-hmm. If anyone had watched, you know, Poltergeist yeah. and was familiar with Heather yeah. and then she died in that violent manner like that, that we would all be like, what the fuck? Yeah. When like, she, when she passed similar. away, they, the director, I can't remember his name, but they stepped away for like weeks and, the production was like we put too much money in this you have to finish it right yeah. and it was like like he just watching the shutter uh curse films and how he expressed like how he felt yeah. during that like he wanted to walk away so badly but he was just like you know is it paying respect if i finish this film or right. like me walking away and being sued for the rest of my life is yeah. it exploitative if i finish right. this yeah yeah it's weird it's weird like that how because it's i don't know there's so many like I'm thinking also of like now other examples where how this has changed recently, how like even if you die, that doesn't get you out of being in a movie, like with Carrie yeah. Fisher oh, and yeah. the Star Wars oh, movies yeah. and yeah. stuff, yeah. where it's like even death doesn't release you from nope. your contract nope. with Disney. Especially with Disney. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. This is like I bought your soul. Yeah, there's a, which there is a great movie about that idea called The yeah. Congress, hmm. um, by Ari Fullman, I think is his last name. He did uh Waltz with Bashir. Okay. Uh, really, really great sci-fi like Ooh. combo animated live action with um, Robin Wright and a couple other like and uh, like a couple other bigger bigger name actors about like <laughs> this like dystopic world where like people celebrities sell the rights to their like vi- like their, their likeness. Visage. Yeah, yeah, but it becomes like because they can just CGI anything that mm-hmm. like the celebrities never have to work because their likeness is out like acting as every version of every version of themselves in every movie. Um, so it's like, that's like a post capitalist, like ridiculous, insane world where like, they it's don't terrifying. even have to do anything. They just literally sell like their, their, uh, their body, their mm-hmm. image of being. And like that, that thing goes off and makes money for them. I mean, we're already kind of, that's, that's the conversation I keep having whenever we're like jokingly talking about like AI generated scripts and stuff and right. about like yeah. AI generated artwork. That's yeah. like, yeah this idea that you know you're just you're having a machine crank out something that is objectively beautiful or something but it's right. like it's just bizarre because it's like all right yeah. it's been taken out of our hands now i mean that's the why age like, of humans is over this, this is why i mean with yeah. sport games right and like why college football was such a big idea because they were selling their likeness and they were right. getting nothing from it and so, the yeah. kids weren't making any money we like the college no players money. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean to tie it all back together right was, we're talking about like getting over like the way we live now 
is past that point of like, oh, we feel so bad because yeah. they passed away. And it's like, wait, what if they made another poltergeist? They could do this. They could easily do this. We know that for a fact. They could make another poltergeist and probably create some like cameo with Heather. Who, oh, is, yeah. who is oh yeah who is dead absolutely very much dead yeah. Yeah. yeah and would it be exploitative like if we saw that in a movie like say it's a good movie would we come away like you know that was really thoughtful and respectful to her or would it just feel like greasy and slimy and we're like well, you know this feels like a cash feel grab they already attempted that yeah right so they i mean after poltergeist 3 was done they tried to so they created a poltergeist show that's right that didn't do well and then they were going to do a prequel uh revolving around uh reverend kane man steven spielberg was just like one idea and he's like i yeah. got 50 movies and 60 tv shows how much money <laughs> do you think is in this money son good hey. lord they you call him the beard in the industry. They call him the beard. I heard Edgar Wright call him the yeah, beard, beard once, and yeah. I never forgot that. The yeah. beard, yeah, just, just because of the beard. He's he's I mean, that he's god tier in that you industry. Think, you think Spielberg's beard is better than Lucas's beard? No, but no. I don't think it's about the size of the beard. I think it's about the money <laughs> behind yeah, the beard. So. I'm sorry. Are we talking about George Lucas's beard? Because George Lucas has yeah. like, the under the under. Is that guy's got it's just he's boxy. Neck so I like yeah. I don't know. But they tried to recreate Heather. You were saying, yeah. And was it in the show then? No, it was going to be in uh, another like a movie, like a prequel. Okay. And in the show, the show was totally different. It was like right. a investigating team chasing down poltergeist. Right. That Apparently, really, had nothing to do with poltergeist. No, no. It literally. I mean, other than name alone and the ghost they were chasing down. Yeah, more of a ghost hunter. Kind yeah, of thing. it was. It was in the same yeah. world, but it wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, the the idea of the curse, like people dying for the set, precludes the like how do we react to it? Like, do, does the curse make this movie more interesting to us because we know about it? Do we, uh, kind of abhor the idea of them making more movies? Um, do we abhor like them capitalizing on the idea of the curse to like sell more movies? That's like the, the obvious we can say is like, yeah, it's not great to be like, this movie's hella cursed. Our actress died. You should watch it. Yeah. Like that's not okay. But then there's like the, the the like next step after that is like not only is she dead, but we can keep making movies yeah. with her, yeah. which feels really weird. Like yeah, we haven't reconciled those emotions yet. Yeah, we're so far afield from the Poltergeist. Oh no, that's so cool. Sorry, it's, yeah, it's, you're saying I direction. totally just went off on a tangent. No, yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely part of the the discussion around this movie because that's like like you said, it's kind of inseparable from uh, right from like the history of the movie as after it, you know. And we said like Toby Hooper is, you know, he believes in ghosts and, yeah. you know, maybe there's some of that like, in ghosts. his supernatural like credence in the way he makes movies. Yeah. Or made movies. Made, um, sorry. Ooh. made Man, I am like, oh, for two. I think I, <laughs> I think I name dropped Carpenter. Uh, Wes Craven. I think Wes was the Craven. Other one. Yeah. Accidentally name dropped him is still alive. And Travis was like, oh, bud. Yeah. No, it was like. Should I tell him? <laughs> no, it was, it was just very. It was like, oh, uh, and the way Stacey he makes Dash. movies. And I was like, well, in the way he made movies. Yeah. <laughs> Pay respect. It was the same thing. Respect is uh, due. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we gotta talk about Zelda Rubenstein for a second though before we uh, stop. Man, talking I about don't this even movie. know how to untangle how I feel yeah. about all of that. Yeah, because I think it's a similarly like interesting reception. You'd like, you know, is exploitative. Like, I don't know. She, yeah, it's a very important role and a very interesting role, and it's one of the most famous. You know, she has the most, some of the most famous one-liners. Yeah, in this, you know, up from this movie. But then in Poltergeist two and three, she got Razzie awards. So yeah. it was like. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is also yeah. kind of like if there's yeah a definition of punching down like that's a yes. uh i don't know but yeah this is you know this house is clear is that like sizes for the razzies to do that <laughs> to be like is it like did they base the award off of some things like you know there's so many questions i have about this is like the it's, weirdest she intersection has, she has the worst dialogue in right 
all the movies. And to her oh. credit, she said they said she auditioned four times for her role on the on the original, the Poltergeist yeah. movie. Um, which you know, you audition four times and you get that role, like you're gonna give it everything you've got. No, of course. Yeah. Which I you know, I thought she's crushing it. She's yeah. just like she committed. You can she's tell she's got boss lady stature. And, oh, and, for sure. And, yeah. It's funny too, because you watch these movies, like special effects are great. And I love thinking about actors having to do this on set without any of the sound mix, any of the like the final like visuals, because it is like raw imagination. Mm-hmm. They're like like someone screaming at them like, and now the demon shows his head like Zelda, <laughs> freak out! And then it cuts to her like she is like all in. Some yeah. actors kind of get weirded out by that idea, and they're like yeah. they give it like a half show, and you you can kind of tell you kind of can't, but. Yeah. You know, the ones that buy in are the best ones, the ones you want to have on set. And you're like, all right, now a ghost is, like, haunting you. Like, yeah. go for it. Go yeah. nuts. Oh, she's big. She's a, she's a selling point of this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I said, her her lines, you know, she's like, y'all, just, y'all mind hanging back? You're, you're I think, jamming my frequencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I love the way she calls him out, too, where he was like, uh, she asks him, like, what's behind this door? And the dad, who's, who, this is the only time he's skeptical in this movie. Is like mm, I'm not gonna tell her, yeah. and then the mo- the wife's like, I'm "Why aren't you gonna tell head. her?" Yeah, he's like, like, "I'm saying it in my head." head. <laughs> and Zelda pops out is like, "I don't like trick answers." <laughs> Calls him out on his bullshit, and you can just see like a quick that was like ten seconds. And he's like, "All right, yep. she knows what she's doing." She does kind of fuck with him a little bit too. Like when they're trying to get Caroline right. back, she's like, "She's like, be stern, be, be cross with her." And he's like, "I've never spanked the kids." And he's like, <laughs> "She's like threatened to spank them," and he's like, "I wouldn't do that." <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I thought it was. I, Narrative wise, I was just like, it felt a little silver bullety for me. Yeah. It's like, now the story has to end, so let's bring it. Because, like, why introduce the parapsychologists who we're, we're going to spend like an right. hour of our time with? Yeah. Because, I mean, Zelda's probably in like with the last 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. She's like, in a lot less of the movie than I remembered when I watched it. Right. Like, again. why yeah. develop this plot about these parapsychologists investigating when you've already spent just established Especially this when, stuff. like, Dr. Lish is like so much more, like, her empathy for the family was yeah. like so much more felt than like you bring in, you know, the Zelda's scenes of character. her interacting with Joe Beth Williams where they're sharing a fucking flask yeah. and like just talking like about an, the afterlife. I love yeah. it. was like, it's like an eighties flask. Yeah. It was like all glass. That thing <laughs> yeah. looked heavy as fuck. I was dope. like, Whoa, was a, a, a weapon gangster, just in case. Man. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you could beat someone into death. With that. <laughs> she, she just had that thing in the pocket. She was ready, ready like, for it. Son. <laughs> she yeah. had the first the like, opportunity. The, the shit, I saw that yesterday. <laughs> fuck that. I'm bringing it through. Yeah. But just, uh, like, and she keeps at like they had to test this this portal and like all this stuff. She's and she it's great. I, like she's a great character. Like it's a great way to work your like silver bullet. Like if you're gonna make them like the like the final you know fighter or whatever, they're gonna you know someone comes in at the last minute. They're the last uh, psychic. It's just gonna like all right, we got to do these things and the problem's gonna be solved. You better make them interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. you don't have time to give them like a backstory Story, or yeah. like make them. Yeah, characters. the backstory is that they're the crazy cool like right. medium that comes. So in Zelda and has everything. to go in and sell all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and she's just crushing it. But it is like narratively, I'm a little like. All right, now I we're think here. You would, you would definitely hate it even more in the remake where Jared Harris plays oh, that there, character. Yeah, so it's like Jared Harris coming in and he's like just basically doing, you know, the uh, the the exorcist like Father Harris thing where yeah, he, he's right. like he's got the top hat and the suitcase and he rolls up and he's got cool scars. And well, they shit. did the exorcist shot kind of in in the in yeah, the original Poltergeist too, mm-hmm. which I it was like, is this an exorcist shot or is this just a really nice established exterior while it's raining? No. 
Because I think I think it'd be a little more exorcisty if they did have a guy with a suitcase and mm-hmm. all this. I'm like, is it just an exterior? Like, at what point is it an exorcist shot? At what point is it an exterior? The I exorcist, have lots of questions. Exorcist exterior <laughs> shot. Yeah, yeah. I want to roll over. today. I think I was more concerned about like everything in the 80s and 90s. If it was otherworldly, like you know, extra spiritual dimension. Yeah. It was like pink goo. Like, yeah, you. yeah, the Very ectoplasm. Ghost, Ghostbusters. Dude. I like, yeah. yo, what the fuck? Like, yeah, when they pull them out of the portal and they're covered in goo, yeah, I was like, that's like, a Ghostbusters little Ghostbusters. Yeah. Big ectoplasm energy. Yeah, but I, the... I never try and hold special, like dated special effects against movies. I don't. It's just like that's just how it was. Like you yeah. can't say like, oh, the CGI's shit. You're like, well, they didn't have better. I mean, yeah. it wasn't yeah. shit. It wasn't shit. I was just more related to like, why is everything pink? Right, pink and slippery. <laughs> slippery. Yeah. But it makes me think like it's just the PG version of them being covered in blood, which is movie. Yeah. PG, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Right. They had to <laughs> redo. They didn't have a PG-13 rating right, right. at the time. Exactly. So it would have been PG-13. It would have been R. R. But now it's, uh, yeah, but now it's permanently PG. PG. So mm-hmm. technically a kid could watch this. Yeah. Yep. Take yeah, it to school. The only kids. other thing that they redid was, uh, yeah, the exploding meat sock puppet thing yeah. in the counter. On the yeah. counter, whenever Marty goes in there and he sees like that piece of steak burst well, he also uh, and then the he, face yeah, yeah, his, uh, his face <laughs> melting. Let's get into this because this face melt is... On par thing. with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, that's what made me think. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, Spielberg, one-to-one. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He took what he knew from one thing and did it in somewhere else. Like, that definitely worked. Yeah. Let's just uh, do it again. Where there was Steven's hands, you know, doing that ripping off. That yeah. was Steven yeah. doing that. The, so. the stark transition between when they go from him with the one makeup scar yeah. to the fully puppet face, and then yeah. just the hands walk, like, right. reaching up to rip the flesh off of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a good cut. It's yeah. a, I don't know, the, the campiness of it is, is perfect. And yeah. It's, it's like know, a it's weird, awesome. like, the, then one of the paranormal researchers gets haunted. He's like, I'm going to go grab a snack from the kitchen. And his he grabs his steak, and yeah. it's going to fry a up wing. a steak. He grabs Chicken he's wing. He eating a chicken, chicken wing, wing in his mouth yeah <laughs> and uh he sets the steak on the table one gross Just right That's on nasty. the countertop yeah. with no then, plate or anything you know is like has a chicken wing in his mouth turns around and the steak is like crawling like a like an inchworm yeah <laughs> stops and then like maggots and like viscera start like spewing Erupting from, from within yeah. the steak Mm-hmm. He like drops the chicken wing, looks down. There's maggots on that. Panics, goes to not the kitchen sink, but like a bathroom sink, not outside the house. No, <laughs> and goes to like wash because he thinks he's eating maggots. Goes to like wash it. his face, and he like you know does the classic like wash, wash, wash. Look up in the mirror and notices like a little scar <laughs> on the side of his chin, and he's like poking at it. And like, I think we cut away, oh, and when we cut effects. back, it's like clearly fully a dummy yeah puppet like a phase. like the eyes are dead it's like even a bad wig it's like a bad wig you're like I'm pretty sure in the 80s they were like yo what the fuck yeah like even for 80 standards they were like is this really the best we could do we don't have any more time wrap it up honestly though sometimes they do that steve was yeah. like i gotta make money hurry up i'll get in there with my hands i've got a tiny cool. alien i have to go play with and like effects team is like toby should we do this and steven's like yeah yeah, yeah don't worry about it toby's yeah. like Sure, sure, whatever he said. <laughs> All right, boss. Where's my paycheck? <laughs> That's uh, so mean. He, they both worked on this. We right. need to reiterate. But like, and then he starts like the hands come out and start peeling the skin off, and it like they exposes bone and blood and viscera, which is wild because it's PG again. Yeah. It's yeah. PG at the time. Um, and then cuts back and like, oh, he's perfectly fine. It was just well, a it was like a flash cut, and yeah. then it was like, oh, he's good. Yeah. Did you like uh, to talk about the remake again? The the version of this in the remake with Sam Rockwell, where it's like, which the dad. was the one scene I saw. Yeah, uh, that was a good. That was the only yeah. scene I caught. It was, it was also a great like pr- 
camera wise like they they the reflection that happens shit. in the faucet mm-hmm. sink or whatever yeah. and yeah. it's like black goo just pouring yeah. out of his eyes and like yeah. mouth and shit it's just it like a better uh, execution effect wise I mean, oh, yeah. even the clown scene in, in 2015 was solid. Oh, yeah. it just robbie's character reacting to the <laughs> again it's robbie's son yeah it's me and you rob <laughs> <laughs> The only real OG. <laughs> yeah. He destroys that clown he in, the remake, in the remake, man. Yeah, he stomps the fuck out of its face. Oh, yeah. That's a... Uh, uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, it's visceral. The only thing he was missing way. was like some Tim boots, man. He was tearing that <laughs> fucking puppet up, son. It's like, yo, Bronx, baby. Fucking, like steel-toed, like fucking steel-toed caps just ready to just crush. <laughs> But um, the the face mold is just so goofy. Like oh, objectively, like yeah. uh, grown adults would watch this and be like, "That's a that's a dummy." And a child might be like terrified, but I don't know. I Sometimes remember, I like, think kids are smarter than we. we yeah. give them I don't know. For. I remember that like kind of traumatizing me as a kid. I think I was trying really? to avoid looking at it because I think so that I saw, is like, objectively one yeah. of the like scare, like in an objective manner, the scariest a idea moment, that yeah. we that yeah. we watch. I think as a kid, that part didn't scare me. I think just the re- the, the the reveal of the beast. Which right. scared me and like the head, the head and yeah. then also the elongated yeah you know whatever yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, yeah and that terrified me as a kid yeah yeah uh more so which they're the original thing it was supposed to be because Revan kane is the main villain of poacher guys so right. the beast that's in poacher guys is Revan kane yeah so like originally it was supposed to be a, a hu- like a human face was supposed to come out instead of like the goat thing that popped out. But Which they, probably be more terrifying. Yeah, honestly. if you if you go online and actually look at the face, it is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, you guys fucked up on that one. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I like watching this movie. I don't know. It's a it, it it was a fun movie to rewatch. Like for the purposes of this, like and, I said, the last thirty minutes, there's just like this knockout sequence. It's like that, like the final scare, but it is a thirty minute final scare, yeah, yeah, and yeah. is the real conflict. Which kind of makes, which is another story point that annoys me. I was like, just make the final conflict the final conflict. And cut out 20 minutes and just bring that Cut out like yeah. 30, 30 40 they had, minutes. Yeah, they just move like the whole script up like yeah, 30 yeah, minutes yeah. earlier. And I think it would be like, would play a lot stronger to me. Um, but I do like that. They, I, and it feels like they just let Toby go. They're like, all right, here you go. And then like get all these cool it. sequences yeah. happen. It's a bloodless film, but I, I, I don't mind that. It's just kind of funny. It's bloodless, but like in the same way that like Sam Raimi would dress right. characters in their own blood. Like this has like when Robbie first gets spat out by the tree, right? Oh and his God. face is covered yeah. in blood, blood and mud. Mm-hmm. It just frames his eyeballs perfectly to where when he's they he's first discovers that uh, Carol Ann is in the TV and he's like screaming at his mom. You're yeah. like, oh, this is also another unsettling bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely reminds me of the uh, yeah, like the final shot of Texas Chainsaw. I'm where telling you, my like, boy Robbie, son, he went through yeah. it. This whole movie. <laughs> this movie is about Robbie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> was like in another dimension but like she was like chilling in there you know what yeah I'm but like rob was out there living yeah. it i will say this i watched poltergeist and i was like this oh that's where stranger things literally got all of its ideas yeah. as soon as i watched this i was like yeah oh strange like you know they say stranger things is just a mashup of 80s Absolutely. things and i was like no 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 like there is no original idea. It's all especially the first smashed together. Yeah, especially the first season, right? Yeah, it was like boom. Which another ir- irony is, uh, I think Stephen King was contacted to like originally right, right. pen the script mm-hmm. for, uh, like, write an original script for this movie mm-hmm. for Poltergeist, but he passed. Yep. 
Sunday scary. It still feels like a lot of it's it's the idea like the defining Spielberg elements and King elements, right? Is like right. the story focused on the young kids as like you know the independent actors, but like the parents have a lot more agency in this right. than they would in a King. I think too. And Steve was stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In most cases, he yeah. was stick the landing. I think too, like there's a little over, like there's just so much music. Like the music is so happy go lucky. I'm like, yeah, I want to yeah. shoot whoever. I'm sorry, I just I can't I can't take this. This is a thing in the age of like 70s people. and 80s horror, man. <laughs> like uh, Last House on the Left does the same fucking thing, where it's like one minute you have like a, like a soundless, very oh, terrifying moment, and then yeah. the next it's like weird, like like uh, saxophone, yeah. fucking polka music or something. I will say this, knowing that it was like the original idea was a sequel to Close Encounters of the third right. kind i felt exactly the same way about closer close encounters of the third kind though is like mm. it just gets a little too far afield and and has like spielberg aesthetic just how the aliens communicate i was just like i'm out mm-hmm. yeah they're like mm-hmm. yeah they're just playing little like yeah. piano tones yeah but it, it doesn't seem to add to anything you get it to doesn't. the movie and you're like what did i watch in like, what close was encounters i think it adds in like the like those are very rem- like memorable like auditory moments like those right. become iconic in the same way that certain visuals do but for this one it's yeah none of that there's well, no that's what I- i'm saying yeah. is like the things we remember the most about close encounters and poltergeist are like these visual elements yeah. these like sequences not like the whole, the totality of it but the sequences themselves Definitely that are auditory. like miles <laughs> above mm-hmm. you know other things which is you know that's credit for spielberg and hooper's work as well is that in- that blend of inventive and like terrifying the uh, like the idea that awe and terror can go together yeah in a lot of ways that we kind of neglect nowadays but in poltergeist it's focused in close encounters it, it feels like it just unravels like mm-hmm. it's like one guy who gets obsessed with aliens and then it just starts to just yeah. unravel longer and longer yeah. but poltergeist like has that that lens that keeps it aimed at like there no there's this family like okay this is weird shit it's happening to the family and like we just keep getting back to it which i think is a better anchoring point for Spielberg especially it's also a really straightforward ending to be like and then their house blows up right and then that, that's kind of like or implodes, but implodes like, yeah. I do like I like the idea explored at the end of that where they're like you know we reveal which I thought was ridiculous he didn't tell the paranormal psychologist researchers that they were all living on a like cemetery oh yeah he once he learned that, that yeah. like an hour yeah. into the two yeah. hour movie yeah. but he like he, they Obviously, they reveal to the his boss, like, oh, there's something really freaking crazy because he sees coffins popping out of the ground, mm-hmm. and he sees it's just white security. It, it's <laughs> definitely they're looking after each other like that. Yeah. But like, and and as the car drives off, you see like fires coming out of a fire hydrant. Like yeah. it's like it's affecting the whole neighborhood. Yeah, everybody else on the street is like, well, I guess we're fucked. And I too. really <laughs> truly was like, you know, this is actually a, a very interesting conceit to like could have like tacked or woven into the end of the film is like it's not just the house like it turns out the house was the like the origin point mm-hmm. and then this starts this whole thing and i thought it thematically drives home that what we were talking about like the suburbs the conformity is like it's like suffocating and murderous and an invisible force that can kind of like suffocate your family or that this inside. is all on the verge of collapsing at any moment right and <laughs> and like created by our own sense of greed yeah you know you also had to look at i mean i'm, I'm gonna bring this point of it because i was watching something but i think jordan pill mentioned it but it was you know white people were moving out of the out of the cities to escape kind of like the that inner white city. flight that you know yeah the white flight because you know 80s crack whatever so yeah 
I look at it almost like the poetry guys was like a black person moving into the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like that, how they were scared. Like, you know, when black, you know, the value goes down in the houses and everyone's blah, blah, blah. And right. he, Steven's job was like to keep it going because the, the big scene where he reveals like, yo, you know, the, the graveyard were everywhere. And he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm still going to try to sell these houses. I was like, yo, yeah. That's so a, it's just that the that's greed, a hard no. Yeah. The greed, but keeping it a secret and keeping it kind of like, right. he's not like, you know, it's not a selling thing, but like even his boss says, it's like, oh, this is not a selling factor. So yeah, yeah we didn't mention yeah, it. We didn't advertise. Yeah. yeah. So but they, just, and the way they play that moment though, is like where it kind of hammers home that that is the ultimate villain of the story. Yeah. Cause like he realized, right. you see him realizing that that's what, what happened whenever he explains like, yeah, we did this five years ago. Uh, and it was, you know, super fine, like super easy. We just moved him five, five minutes. Yeah. We'll do away. it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of like, you know, it's kind of, that's an, like another element I think could have been emphasized more is like mm-hmm. related to why they're being haunted. Yeah. Because it does feel a little like out of left field. They're like, great, now they're being haunted or mm-hmm. poltergeisted. Which is weird too because just in the sequels, like it becomes just like Reverend Kane's kind of like, yeah. he's the reason why. But like they move so many bodies. Like, yeah. Why, why not, you know, play off the anger of the people being moved or not yeah. moved, sorry, not being moved and right. being built upon, you know? Mm-hmm. But that, this, this is like the, the idea that I really want to talk about with both y'all is just like that idea of like the, the dead and the living cannot occupy cozy. the same space yeah. mm. because it like they, they irritate each other. Like right. we're uncomfortable be like, people are uncomfortable living next to a graveyard, but then we yes. also created this idea like, cause we're, we're not dead. We don't know what it's like to be dead, but we created the idea that the dead don't like being near the living. Yeah. It's like, there has to be a bifurcation and then we have to be like very separate from each other. Which I think it's like a new idea. Like, I is feel like, though? I feel like, cause I feel like in, I don't know. I think this is maybe like a thing of like the construction of American cities and stuff. Cause I feel like the old world idea is yeah. like, you have more churches and more places like, and with like cemeteries around you and death is just much more proximate to people. Like True. throughout like the, you know, like pre-industrial era, like death was, we were just so much closer to death because more people died and like, it was just a harder existence that like, I think it, there was less separation between the idea of like being alive and, and just b- being close to death and like having right. it always be around you. <laughs> yeah, um, people were dying from cavities. Yeah. People died. From, like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. You, you catch a cold and it's it done. It's over. Yeah, it it's fucking should be eating that yeah. sugar. Because <laughs> um, I think even like, yeah, like culturally too, like if you think about like in, in uh, like Latin America and like Mexico and stuff, like indigenous like Mexican culture that bled over and into like the Catholic, you know, colonial right. culture, um, like the, you know, the day, of De- the day of the Dead Festival, like the idea that's like, let's constantly have a relationship with, you know, our, our family and other people who are, have died and stuff, right. even though they're not around anymore. And I think it is, you know, somewhat more of a modern idea of the idea of like, creating a ghost story out of just being close to things that are dead. Right. Um, which is interesting. Like, I don't know, going back to like our ghost series when we talked about like in the haunting and stuff, mm-hmm. that was a big one where it's like, it was less that it was just that people were there that had died, but it was more that like, just like almost in Poltergeist, like the house itself was, you know, possessed of this evil energy that was from another realm that wasn't necessarily because of dead loved ones. It was because right. of, um, just something otherworldly, which I think is more of what's happening here too. But I don't know. Yeah. Like having the, cause the whole point is that, the, is that the cemetery was there. Right. And the, yeah. like he, they explicitly, they say the, like yeah. the ghosts have been disturbed by people living yeah. on top of them, literally on top of I them. Mean, just Zelda's character mentions like how the dead, you know, don't know they're dead, but they're still thriving to live. Right. And, like mm-hmm. seeing people live within that. Within yeah. Their, it creates you know, that friction, friction that makes yeah. them mad. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. or that they want to be want alive, to be close to which a is life. which I yeah, like that idea that they want to be alive again yeah. is kind of tied into that. Like a lot of different shows and movies that yeah. kind of yes. th- like tie ghosts into like they have unfinished business or yeah. like they're the fact that they're still around makes like turns them slowly angrier and angrier. Mm-hmm. You know, which we see like in different versions and different like manners of it, but I still think it's like, yeah, you're right. It is. It feels more. It's definitely more modern. The idea of tying it to like the idea of of a human spirit having passed versus like because I feel like before this, it's always like witches. yeah, no one's ever haunted by the ghost of a dog. Yeah, or like Facts. the idea that it's they have like no souls. <laughs> <laughs> We got these Velociraptor ghosts that are running through my. Yo, uh, I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. Velociraptor ghosts. Velosta ghosts. I've got your first thirty pages right here. Velocipasters. But yeah, it's like I guess before you know modern era, it's just like witches and demons and stuff. Right. It's less like you know like a haunt. Yeah, haunting wasn't really like ghost haunting. It was like witches. Yeah. Cursing the Bell Witch in Tennessee or something. Right. I would say the most clever ghost stories of recent. I would say Pulse. Uh, yeah, that one's solid. And then uh, you know, say what you want, but Insidious was a clever twist on the sure. ghost story. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like I mean, it's the same idea, right? Insidious is essentially the same plot same, as this yeah. movie, yeah, but it's uh, it has a different like yeah. It, it but that one is about demons too. It's mm-hmm. like the same the beast, I guess, the is beast, kind of the yeah. same thing, but mm-hmm. it's the lipstick demon guy. Um, well, the dark mall Americans yeah. just have like I mean, at least our my perspective, right? We're watching Poltergeist, so this is a very American like classic Western ideology kind of movie. Is like yeah, that's the ghosts point of are it. scary. Yeah. Whereas, like you mentioned previously, two other cultural contexts, they're like they're they're the spirits of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you don't want to hang out with your grandfather one more time, mm-hmm. or like you know, give them treats no. even though they're not around. Yeah, I know. No. But I think yeah, Jamara is like... a hard no. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. That being said, Jamara would not mess around. I'll tell with you that right stuff. now, if Junior watching the shows of my in my bedroom tonight, <laughs> my grandfather, I'm gonna be like, yo, we're done, son. I need you to leave. I'm salting the house. The priest is coming through. Kathy's like, that, yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah. Is Catholic Kathy Catholic? Her mother was. Okay, because huh. there's some of that too. It gets blended with Catholic tradition. Not to throw like Kathy specifically, but like I've heard, you know, some of that like uh, a little more like dis- distaste for the afterlife kind of thing. I think yeah, that's interesting though because I feel like a lot of what we think of as what like like American ghost hauntings and stuff is right. like a very like Protestant thing in that it's very we're a very Protestant nation the whole Protestant is like the whole difference like I don't know at least aesthetically for me like whenever I see these two different like branches of Christianity is Catholicism is very like it's very old world and like ritual and like magical yeah, and it has ceremonial a very, yeah and there's something about that that is you know like I said, it's it's like it's like magic. Like, I mean, they're doing magic and they're casting spells whenever they do it. And the whole point of a lot of Protestant, you know, branches of Christianity was to strip away that Lock it all down. the pagan <laughs> stuff and all of the magic. It's almost like they went through an age of enlightenment. Yeah, or like the <laughs> New Reformation. But even like the idea of like demons and stuff. Like yeah. The like that's the idea of possessions and everything right. has been is also a relatively new thing um, that right. we kind of like take for granted as being. I don't know. I think that goes in hand in hand with the like our western perception of ghosts and haunting yeah movies i just think stuff. it's interesting we mm-hmm. we we think of ghosts and we think of halloween and we think of like scary yeah. we're like ghosts are scary or they like they make things happen that are scary mm-hmm. whereas like it's not that's not the universal case it just happens to be like our this i don't know north texas cultural experience I mean, kind of look, thing I, I mean americans are scared of immigrants yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Unwelcome guests. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> there yeah. you go. But there, yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe it's tied into like the fear of death. You know, people yeah. are, everyone's afraid of dying, but no Absolutely. one likes, but like other cultures handle it better than ours. I yeah. think like our like, buddy oh, Jeff. We know, yeah. We know it's coming, but you know, our really. buddy Jeff, who will never like, won't stop talking about Buddhism is saying like, you know, Buddhists so contemplate their mortality. Like he's like, it helps him. Don't worry. It helps us center ourselves, which I always thought was interesting because he's, he, you know, he pointed out to me uh, for better or worse is like, we don't like talking about death, you know, dying people, older people who are on their way out. Like we just get them as far away as possible. Mm -hmm. Cemeteries. We do not, we don't put houses on top of them. This is like just a great in the eighties is like as American as as red blooded American as it gets, gets, has to like grapple with this. Like we were so American. We American, like we just American the hell out of death or something like they just completely ignored this distaste that we already have for death and are paying the price for it in a lot of ways. Yeah, because it's weird because you would assume that like France, like the like the catacombs of Paris, would be like right. wrought with the same level of poltergeist activity and shit. But like, it's yeah, a, why like, isn't there like poltergeists <laughs> all over the city of I New think York? It's yeah. like a thing of respect. I think we just don't respect. I mean, True. Americans okay. never respect it. Yeah, anything, yeah. You know, yeah. it's up their own agenda. So I mean, mm-hmm. in other countries and how they represent the dead and how they celebrate the dead, celebration of the dead. You know, right? It's just we just like, don't do that. We don't do it. We mourn, and then we forget. And that's yeah. the inherent like mistake that's that this movie is saying that like yeah. that they made is or that the right the, the disrespect made. to the dead is a, yeah. is a grave sin is mm-hmm. part of like the thesis of the film yeah, yeah. and it's so it's kind of like I was drawing the wider conclusion because uh, I just like to word associate until I make sense uh, <laughs> is that like I tried to reel it in a little bit yeah Jamario is <laughs> way better at this than me uh, is like to be American is to um, uh, like to not care about death or like hide yeah. hide from it, or and to be a like to be a like a capitalist to like to be like right. in, the, in the 80s like Reagan era like Reaganomics thing like that's the whole thing is like this this real estate company coming in and you because, care about money so much you don't care about the debt yeah and you yeah or the so. consequences that you could that thereof right it's not until, it's not important until yeah. your daughter gets yeah. trapped in a TV dimension and then you're like or more significantly I think asshole yeah I don't yeah. think yeah right <laughs> when you're staring straight down the record, of Steven Spielberg, um, but I think you know. It's I don't think it's a mistake that you know the end of the, the movie ends with the house literally really imploding. imploding. Yeah, and collapsing. It's like, in yeah, on it's itself. like the property. You know, the the value of that property is now non-existent. Like it's and it's, a it's vacuum. like and it's observed by the neighborhood yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So we kind of can draw the conclusion that this yeah. entire housing project won't work. Yeah, like, people are gonna leave. Yeah, I mean, you can look at his boss and how he collapsed because he knows this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just watching the house implode. He's like, this is it. One thing that yeah. I will say that I did find fun about the remake uh was the final sequence has like so the remake does it with like a giant sky beam and the house kind of spends more time collapsing in on itself yeah. yeah and in the course of that like sam rockwell's trying to escape they're like sliding down like the now collapsed roof yeah. and at the very very end of it jared harris is like i gotta go back in there yeah and so he like goes back in to like you know to do some good or like battle the demons and stuff yeah. and it's kind of a cool like yeah facing like jumping into the the open mouth of the beast or whatever sure. and it's, a, it's a fun sequence yeah but uh because yeah that's kind of like what i don't know yeah th- this ends with 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 the giant cataclysmic destruction of property and right. and the collapse of the real estate market essentially like but uh yeah this is a this could have been made in 2008 and been very uh very poignant yeah i was telling travis when we were when i were hanging out before the pearl episode when i saw it because i i think initially my i hadn't known anything about poltergeist and i was like isn't the whole point that they're like on sacred Indian burial grounds or something. And Travis was very nice. and was just like, uh, I, uh, you should probably watch the movie. I was like, I was like, <laughs> you should no. probably just go watch the movie, man. 
But uh, I made a case that was like, you know, there's something about the the core concept of Poltergeist that feels like it could be a movie not made nowadays about like gentrification or something. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I feel like, or like you said, the idea. I feel like there's like, a thread there that we're yeah. not pulling that could be really interesting. I mean, I'm I'm waiting the day that me and you can write something that we can like subvert the idea of, of like gentrification ghost, of ghosts too. Just yeah. like you know, yeah. Just hate to bring the guy up, but Jordan Peele, like how he subverted the whole idea of it being an alien, then it's a fucking giant, yeah, man. yeah. kaiju. So yeah. I mean, yeah, but as soon as I so I, I was developing this idea of gentrification stuff, and I was yeah. like, they already did that, man. Candyman. That's the whole point sure, of yeah. Candyman. They sure did. Yeah, like it, it's sure been did. done and it's been done well. I'm like, which is some of the best what? mirror shots. Like, a mirror yeah, shot it. it's yeah. like the best I've ever seen. Hey, you know who produced the latest I Candyman? Know, I knew. We'll oh, yeah. save it for the Candyman episode, guys. We'll, we'll get Sorry, to it yeah. eventually. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the weekend this movie came out? Uh, so in a weekend of June 4th, 1982, there's some fun uh, other movies here uh, that Poltergeist got beat out by. So you already mentioned earlier how, so we talked about how E.T. and Poltergeist came out within a week of each other, right? Seven um, days from each yeah, other. Yeah, so award season comes around the next year. Like you said, E.T. cannibalizes the Visual Effects Award from Poltergeist. Uh, it's the same as ILM, you know, same people. Right. Uh, Poltergeist did win the BAFTA, uh, so they won a British award for visual effects. Um, the opening weekend of this, uh, so Poltergeist opens in third place to uh, $6 million, which would be $6 million of the total $77 million that it would eventually make. Yeah. Um, in first place was uh, the original uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, uh, uh, in 1982. Uh, it was also its opening weekend, so it opened first. Uh, in second place was Rocky III, uh, which yeah. was in its second week of opening. Uh, third was okay. Poltergeist. Uh, fourth was uh, Hanky Panky. Wait, what? run that back for me real fast, though. Because, so, like, Rocky Three was in its second week, but, and then comes Poltergeist, and then a week later comes E.T. Like, yeah. you're talking about a three-week stretch where each movie is, like, that's that's a serious box office, oh, yeah. like, brawl. Yeah, June, yeah, the the first two weeks of June in 1982, man. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy June, shit. Summertime. Summertime so. blockbusters, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, summertime. Uh, Hanky Panky comes in fourth. That's this, like, thriller with Gene Wilder. Okay. Uh, Sidney, Sidney Poitier movie. Uh, and then fifth was uh, Visiting Hours, which is another thriller with uh, William Shatner in it. Huh. Yeah, hmm. it's weird. But yeah, those are fun. Back from 1982, man, like 1980s blockbusters, like it would have been a, can you imagine going to the fucking theater? Like, in the 80s? In these, yeah, in the 80s and seeing the shit and yeah, the golden age. I, I mean, I, yeah, man. I, I, what a wild time to be alive. The 80s is crazy. Like if I had been alive for 82, I'd be like, yeah, that shit was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like it was packed. Which is funny because you ask someone, like, if they were alive in the 80s, they'd be like, no, right now was the... Have you seen what we were capable of? <laughs> this is the craziest decade. Yeah. I love because we're like, dude, the 80s were so fucked up. And everyone from the 80s is like, the 2020s yeah, are scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Mom, come get me. Being alive is hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I like I like Poltergeist, and I'm excited uh, that we watched it because uh, it's going to bring us... I am very glad our, you made me watch uh, it. I had not, and I'm sure I was going to catch hell for it every time someone ever brought it up. It's like one of those movies you're like, I haven't seen it, and everyone's like, you haven't seen Poltergeist? Yeah. So now I can be like, yes, I have seen it. Before. And I'm going to be the guy that's like, I like it, kind of. It's mm. okay. I mean, you, yeah. you caught it later in life, so yeah. And yeah, that'll be my excuse. I'll be like, I saw it when I was 29. It didn't really like hit me the way it would have if I was, I was a grown-ass man. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, but it's also going to frame our conversation for our uh, episode next week, which uh, we're coming to the uh, the peak of our slasher series, so can you guess what uh, movie we're going to be watching? Have you seen it? Scream? It's not Scream. We, we came about it we came Uh-oh. around to toby hooper through way of Polter oh Chan- texas chainsaw massacre yeah, so we're gonna the hit, the og yeah we're gonna hit the texas slasher chainsaw. uh and i'm just mad i miss hush 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I should have called you for that one. That's the one I'm like, oh. He's a huge Flanagan fan. I'm a massive I know, yeah, we talked, fan. we talked a lot of Flanagan. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was fun. Well, we're gonna obviously we're gonna circle yeah, back to fun. Fun. We got fun. he's not he's not done making shit. So no, nowhere near we'll it. Definitely get back to him. Uh, have you guys been watching anything else lately? You go, yeah. you go, because I'm gonna steal some of your wrecks if you don't go first. Uh, Jesus. Uh, I've been going back. So it's okay. like it, you know, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. I've been watching Pulse and Strange or Creepy and stuff like that, just to kind of change the pace of horror, just yeah. to get another inside of that. Um, uh, I mean, I recently saw Barbarian. Um, since it was hyped up to be the, the best horror film yeah. of, of this year, yeah. mixed mixed reviews in this. Yeah, room. I mean, I haven't uh, seen it. Both Travis and Jamario have. Yeah, we thought it was fine. I actually, so I thought it was fine. Let's, I mean, it's a, it's a good film. Yeah. It's a good yeah. film. Uh, shock factor wise, I wasn't like blown away by the right. you know, the the flip or the reveal. But There's some cool technical stuff in there that are really absolutely. Enjoyed. And I talked to, I actually talked to the director, like. Just the other day on Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I've been listening to like his podcast, and he keeps saying, "Oh, you know, our DP had this movie which detaches from the the body of the Sony camera. That's not what what that is." I was like, "No, it's actually uh, relatable." Like, <laughs> well, it, actually, it, yeah, I was that guy. And I said, I even posted like, you know, as a DP, da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I don't. Yeah, I don't want you to go down this road. So I'm just, you know, and he was like really nice. Like, and no, I appreciate you giving me a heads up and stuff like that. But yeah, Barbarian was kind of like. Okay. The last horror thing I watched, and yeah. then TV wise, God, I don't know. It's been such a weird. I just got my wisdom teeth pulled like a week ago, so it's been a weird like in and out of consciousness. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's you re- all right. You're gonna leave it up to me. What I mean, there's nothing else that I'm like that comes to mind. You uh, asked me this question last the time, and goat I told myself, of television. Oh, Atlanta. Yeah. Why are yeah. you sleeping I'm, on that? I'm staying on. Well, I, I was about to say I'm staying on a whore, but like the I first pitch, two episodes, it is horror. It's horror. I <laughs> pitch. I pitch this show. Every, I pitch at least one FX show every episode we do. I, I know yeah. this is off topic, and I don't want to take up your time. With no, Colin, you but should. Like, <laughs> Stephen Glover is a effing Donald's brother is a genius yeah. because one. If you've never been to Atlanta Station, I'm from Georgia. I spent a lot of time in Atlanta and stuff like that childhood whatever but every time i go to atlanta station i see somebody i haven't seen in 15 20 years really so that was like that was spot on Did that and hit that hit special for it you hit special but then he threw in back rooms yeah. which is a creepy pasta because when Ern and you know spoilers yeah. they go into the room like oh it's wet and it's carpet all in here and it smells weird and i was like eat this motherfucker threw in a creepy pasta yeah. it's like they're just trolling like twitter and youtube feeds. yeah it was, I was, and then it follows. Of course, it was just like the <laughs> I called it white trash. It follows. I was so I died. I was like, Kathy's like, why are you laughing so? Hard? I was like, Dale. She's like, what? Did, what did he say? I was like, blah blah blah. And she was like, I don't get it. I was like, fine, fuck. You gotta watch Killed it. it. Killed there it. There is the first episode. Is there's like a the oh, like a entire uh like C storyline that is just white trash. It follows. <laughs> It's gorgeous. And it's amazing. It sets up the whole also, show, Also, white too. heroism. Like, her being like, I'm not going to allow you guys to take stuff out of here. It's I like, know. Darius like, fuck it. I'm going to walk around. <laughs> His eye, he's so exasperated. He's just like, Ugh, fine. Like, it goes around her. I love, too, that he gets in the car. I'm sorry. We just go about I'm Atlanta sorry, forever. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I I was the same as Jamara's. I watched, he, he watched it before me, but I was maybe an hour behind. Yeah. Um, and it was like a delight. I texted him. I was like, we don't know how much of a gift we were given with this yeah, television show. Absolutely. Like, honestly, for it to go out, even this early, with the, like the, such highs for episodes is just like God tier. I'm like, I am in awe. And I would, I would kill to get my hands on all those screenplays. I just want to read them. Um, Let's write them. 
We it's, can't. We I'm can terrified try. of the idea, the prospect of like Donald Glover flexing his like his horror chops, and then like yeah. the oh, it's co- coming. The future collaborations or productions that are about it's to go, coming, come down bro. the pipeline, dude. I like, like how intentionally is though. So if he's doing something, like he's doing it. It's not mm-hmm. just like he's spinning out into like different things, right? Um, I mean, he's just they're just making fun of society and yeah. where we're at currently yeah and it's very bleak but it's like it's too sharp you can't yeah. say like oh that's not funny and you're yeah. like no it's true yeah i think i was texting you i was like sometimes it just hits too real <laughs> i was like sometimes i'm like the therapy i don't like session. This. yeah the yeah. therapy session you're like yo this is too real and i was like no dude that's yeah that's it yeah, yeah yeah um atlanta has been is like god tier television and i'm sure a lot of people be like i don't get it and i'm like that's okay <laughs> you know it's not always for everyone like i have yeah. friends that are like season three what were they doing but um I yeah. mean, Couch hates season three. Of course he does. Yeah, he likes like, the old stuff. But season, I realize watching season four, they always knew they could be good. Mm-hmm. They just let themselves do whatever the hell they, they wanted, wanted in season three. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I respect that. They're yeah. like, no, no, no. We have we have like another season to ch- prove we still have it. And this is just the spank Dave. Yeah, this was basically just the spank. He got Dave. so mad when they called Dave the new Atlanta. Yeah. Donald Glover, uh, they, they did an yes. interview where they're like, how do you feel about uh, Dave being called the new Atlanta? Like this show about Little Dicky is just a, white, yeah. a very like privileged white rapper. And this show makes fun of his like idea of privilege and his entitlement, but it's never, and it is a little surreal, but it's never like the level of satire comedy. I mean, they that, fucked up by putting it on the same channel, like yeah. on FX. That's the ultimate thing. Right. Well, and FX has been cautious never to like compare the two. There's never been yeah. like, the, the network's never oh, been you like, like this, oh, it'll watch. fit. Yeah, yeah, it's never the same slot. Like, they're pretty aware that they're just not the same show. But like casual viewers would be like, it's a show about a rapper. Exactly. And they both deal with problems and they both get success. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they like, <laughs> Donald Glover was just like, fuck Dave. All my homies hate Dave. I can't believe people keep calling us Dave. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I, I was telling Travis the last episode I watched Perfect Blue for the first time. Really? Yeah. Okay. You've seen it, right? Yeah, I've seen it. He hasn't was, seen like, I haven't H- seen it yet. Like HBO. He used to come on HBO on Sunday. He'd be like, right. fuck it, I'll watch it. That was what I was talking about. I like that like movie, dude. Putting more animated stuff in our Perfect watch list. Perfect Blue? Yeah. The pop star becomes yeah. an actor? Yeah. Ugh, God. All right. What? Nope. We got to have him on okay. for the Perfect Blue episode yeah. then. Bring we'll get to on. it. We're asking for hot takes more often these days. <laughs> yeah, we like because that's the people, thing we're talking we realize about. people don't like us just liking movies. Yeah, <laughs> I made the mistake of like making the watch list and putting just movies that I enjoy on it, and it's yeah. like if you just do that every time, it's like you're only like, gonna cool, have lots positive. of fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, but I really liked Perfect Blue. I guess it just uh, <laughs> the yeah. face Jamari was making. Right. Right I mean, right. no, I mean it's it's no, I mean I it Satoshi Khan. I mean that's like. I would say that's like three for me from Satoshi Kon. Sure. Like I like it, but like I don't like the disrespect that it gets from like people copying it. Yeah. You know, and they always just miss the bar. Yeah. I think I'm more pissy with it because like I missed like I was I think I was writing something when I was younger and it was so kind of like similar. Yeah. And I just could not I, I was like, I give up because like Satoshi is like God. I can't like okay. mirror anything. That's from a that. that's a really unique point of view. Yeah, that, I, that's I my thing. That makes a lot of sense. It's to it's me. a it's it's so great, but it's just also just like, oh, I can't fucking watch this right. shit. Right. Nice. Yeah. Anything um, else, Daniel? Right now. Uh yes, I realized too as I like was like, what am I watching? I'm watching like a thousand things, which is always kind of my like same here yeah. i'm on like a bunch of different shows so i the harley quinn animated show is on dude that new season it's good and oh it, my god there are times when i'm like oh i think the humor is a little dull and then i'll do one episode and i'm like nope it's amazing <laughs> this show's really fucking good at what yeah. it does yeah. like 
It's just smart. I mean, and just, I, I have a hard time pitching it to people because yeah. they're always like, okay, an animated Batman show. Like, My thing is like right. it's DC, and DC keeps fucking up. So right, I literally just got into season one of Harley Quinn. This like, is one of the examples. It goes hard. That show is amazing. It's, yeah, I think it's an example of like when DC was kind of in the in the, the spell of doing things the right way, where they were like yeah. they were just throwing shit at the wall because they were trying so hard to compete that they were like handing out property to anybody to be like, yeah, do with it what you will and just make something. And this is kind of an example of that where they were like, oh you want to make a, an adult animated tv show centered around harley queen quinn and like satirizing all of the main dc yeah. characters and it's yeah. it's awesome i read like, a review where they called it like community but for batman like for gotham yeah. city and i've never felt more like i've never like felt like that show has been more accurately described because yeah. there's yeah. just so much of like of bits and jokes about yeah. and about fans like people who like this stuff about like there's even jokes about how ridiculous some of the lore is like they'll be yeah. like wait the whole point is that like there's a shark god from a shark kingdom <laughs> selling the shark fiefdom to there's another it's just clay ocean too. <laughs> yeah and like all the and they and but they tie it so well to like yeah. relatable ideas is like you know going through toxic relationships or uh, pursuing like you know success in your career or like you know yeah. going through like a, a like a what are they quarter life crisis kind of thing yeah and it's like super relatable in ways you're like did I just like vibe with this fucking animated yep. comedy that made like poop jokes and stuff yeah yep. uh, so I'm always like I, I I'm watching that show I recommend I watched the uh, voice acting in that too I think yeah because yeah, it's like and Alan, it Alan Tudyk you said Clayface Alan Tudyk doing yeah. like and Joker. The voices yeah and he Joker, does Joker as well uh, yeah. and Akila Kuko doing they made the voice of Harley yeah. like, they do a really good job with it yeah and, um so I like I'm watching that that's just like a shits and grins kind of show. Um, I'm I, I have to say I'm on the last season of King of the Hill finally. Oh wow, <sighs> yeah. That's Which, how I feel about King of the Hill. The whole show. <laughs> you know what? You this is gonna sound, you're gonna love this. You love Atlanta because he texts me. He's like, "This is this is my life. Like I lived yeah. this stuff." Yeah. King of the Hill is my life. Jesus man. I'm I know, you, but man. you know what? The first couple seasons I watched it, I was like, "This isn't funny. This is just real." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not. I funny know people I like this. <laughs> I know people like this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that's too real. Like, there's a whole episode where Dale Gribble, uh, they find out that Peggy's gonna teach sex ed or something, and yeah. all the, the conservative <laughs> parents start freaking out. Right? Like, we can't teach our children about genitals. Yeah. yeah. And so the joke is Peggy's like learning to say the word penis. <laughs> But she gets a prank call, and it's clearly her neighbor, Dale. And Dale's yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. I will shoot you in the head if you teach our children that filth. And I was like, that's not even funny, man. That's, that's, like, that's, that's just happens. Because yeah. yeah. they're thinking about bringing it back, right? I think they're so. They're working on bringing it back? I think, and I, I do think there's a way that like it'll work, but it's just one of those shows There's that, a way, but it's definitely going to be like, because I feel like a lot of the people that watch yeah. that on its original run have uh, definitely drifted into the, the sphere of, of the audience that they're going to be making well, fun of. Like thirteen seasons, no comedy yeah. show is gonna like carry that kind of weight for that long. Yeah. Simpsons, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. So like, obviously now the show is a lot more like sitcommy than yeah. it was like funny. Like we've been watching the last couple seasons, and I'm like, this is like seventeen things happen in one episode, and it used to be like two or three. So I'm like, I'm ready to finish the show. Oh, I was gonna tell you, I'm watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Hey, for the first yeah. time, Welcome. for the first time. Oh shit! I've been telling him to I'm do it. Third, for a I'm like thirty episodes deep. I'm about to hit a big, big moment in like yeah. the first season, and it's obvious. I know what's. I know who is who. Yeah. Well. So I'm like, all right. And they just did a recap episode. I was yeah. so pissed. God. I Sometimes sat down to, to watch. Episode. 
No, you don't. <laughs> or I guess no. if you're, if you're <laughs> binging it, binging I guess you don't. Yeah, <laughs> I sat down to watch, and of course, Mary-Kate sits down to like do her nails, because we're just like hanging out yes- like yesterday afternoon, and it's like a recap episode, and I want to skip so, so badly, bad, yeah. and Mary-Kate's like just watching these like really random stuff. It's like trying to explain the entire yeah. show to you. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I don't, I don't have time to explain this to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get invested. Yeah. I love you, but you don't, you don't express enthusiasm over these things yeah. when I watch them secondhand. I'm like, ask my friends, is it fan servicey? Yes. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm okay. But Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood uh, is, is I've, doing, I've been is telling doing great. You, I've been telling you it, that It's plotted very well. It's good yeah. writing. Yeah. Like, objectively, Absolutely. I'm like, oh, this is good no, writing. No, it's, it's an amazing story. Like, yeah. it's yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it, it's mythical, and it's, you know, it's very, like, um, like fable-esque. Like, it has, like, yeah. a... Like a, such a grand arc to it that like like transcends you know like the human plane and yeah. shit and so well, it's and like it, it's like I said before like they ground it so well in this brother dynamic yeah it's like no matter how far the show's gonna go it's the about core path these two is, brothers yeah and that's like the perfect guiding light for an anime is because mm-hmm. animes can just spiral out and like especially, weird stuff. especially like shonen shonen can get yeah and but yeah yeah I told him about that because the other Full Metal Alchemist was not bad. But like Brotherhood was strictly like from the manga. So this is like I've a lot of people who recommended anything Full Metal. They're like watch Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Like you watch anything, watch Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Like you don't even need to watch Full Metal Alchemist because the other one was Full Metal. The plot changes because she wasn't done with the manga. Okay. So like the original run of Full Metal Alchemist is just like they made up the like made up the ending. Oh. And then they made a movie that kind of wiped their ass of it. But, like, the movie was so bleak and morbid. It was, like, I don't, like, I feel, like... But this show has, like, dark horror moments. Absolutely. Like, yeah. The first totally, four episodes dude. go so hard. I was, yeah, like, absolutely. whoa, what the fuck? There's and some really gruesome, like, uh, like Lovecraftian ideas in there. Right. It's like, it's, and uh, I realize now, uh, like, I'm a huge Attack on Titan fan. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. oh, Same. Attack Similar. is kind of just channeling a lot of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, totally. The, it's, like, probably going to get away. I, don't, I mean, I it, it feels like the show's really violent. It's hard to judge because you're like watching anime. Yeah. So yeah. they'll do like just a really violent like moment or two in a fight sequence, and you're like, wait a minute, that was just like a blood splatter, oh, yeah. or like you know they just murdered a tiny child or something. Yeah. So it's like that. It takes a second to click, and the show just keeps going. Yeah. The so infamous I, I, Chimera scene. Yeah. Edward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like the third episode. Yes. You're like, what the fuck? So I feel like this show is going to carry well. Like, I'm like, I see it has more than just, like, this big confrontation I'm about to get into. And I'm excited because there's, like, there's so much plot. Uh, I think I spent all mine on our bonus episode. The only thing I have, was going to ask you guys if uh, was if you'd seen Pinocchio yet. <laughs> the Robert uh, Zemeckis Pinocchio. Uh, go ahead and no. answer this no. Yeah. That's a negative guess I hate, right I now. hate watched that over the weekend. And, you hate uh, watched it. I, I'm kind of only trying to bring like warnings now instead yeah. of like recommendations. Travis is trying to help the people. I'm trying to be less positive. Yeah, I'm going to tell people what not to what watch. Do you, what do you got that, going? Like, what do you think coming down the pipeline you're you're stoked for? We're going to see. So I think we're going to do something on Smile. Okay. Uh, that's because, what I was going to say. Smile. Dude, yeah, that's I think my idea. Everybody's pretty much like agreed that like yeah that's gonna be big hype around smile yeah we, we've been hyping that one up and i'm excited yeah. for that to like come out and see whether or not it's as scary as it did it you get tends what, to be. can we talk about the constantine scene? oh yeah the John constantine, bitch <laughs> i posted that on socials the idea that they're gonna so uh, keanu reeves coming back to he's in talks right now fingers crossed they, they get him over which is there. one half come of on. it but the other half is bring back peter stormare as yeah, the same dude. Like, that would be perfect best performance of like perfect. lucifer satan that i've ever seen perfect. in a fucking movie 
Um, that movie's like really underrated. I feel like I absolutely. A, so I, uh, I bring Shia LaBeouf. That's I did why. show Mary Kate that movie, and she right, was like, a, "I can't handle this." It really? is a Shia She's not LaBeouf. a horror fan. Oh, okay. like That's even why. Constantine level horror was too much for her. It, it does. Good. It's kind of a scary. It's got some like imagery and we, in we there. We were kind of like the relationship he has with Rachel Weisz's character is is not that great. Uh, they like they like make out, and she's like, "I don't. This yeah. is dumb." Oh yeah, I forget that they try to force that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Out in spite of chemistry or lack thereof, I I a, love well, my it's wife. It's gonna be better, better than like Sandman introducing Joanna Constantine. Constantine, that's just yeah. the English pronunciation Ugh, of Constantine. Gross. I love my wife, but she does bring me back down to earth when I watch some of these movies because I'm like, yeah. it's so great, and she's like, the male protagonist is an asshole. What yeah. are you talking about? That's perfect. And I'm like, objectively, you're right. Talking yeah, about another fuck. like work with some like Lovecrafty and dark shit in there. Like that's a, uh, I remember the, the scene in the original Constantine where he's like drinking the water to death. Like he yeah. like hydrates himself yeah. to death. There's a couple yeah. of, yeah, there's some scary elements in there. I mean, just a... the lore of like, yeah, I saw stuff in that movie that was like, you never seen like in yeah. any kind of demonic show or movie. Yeah. I thought it was clever. It's the cool. cat thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Or him, like when he goes to hell, he like puts his feet in the water, water and stuff. Yeah, dude. But yeah, dude, like I said, Peter Stormare, like coming at, up at the, he has, you know, one scene in the yeah. entire tar movie, but it's just, beautiful shots. stepping on glass. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's iconic. Man. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, but don't watch Pinocchio, guys. It's uh, okay. it's it's <laughs> jarring you know, on the level of the Uncanny Valley that uh, Zemeckis hasn't achieved since uh Polar Express. That's I was going to say, yeah, fucking, just, when you say Uncanny Valley, I immediately think of Polar yeah. Express. They should have just had Tom Hanks play every character in <laughs> Pinocchio. Jeez. Yeah, that's a weird Ooh. one. Uh, Jamar, are you working on anything that you want to like talk about? No, I mean, I've been working on a couple of shorts. I got. I offered, saw a Couch dropped a, a teaser. It was a little uh, teaser med- for Medicare, next? yes. Uh, that's Don't make that noise. You worked on that with me. Well, because right? I worked on it. Because, you know me. I'm a perfectionist, so it's just like yeah. I didn't have enough time to really like stamp out everything I wanted. I don't I want think it. Jamar would be happy with any project. I don't think like, so. Permanently. I don't know. Like The stuff that I write, and if I can bring that to life, yeah. Like, I think I'll be happy. I was talking with Travis and talking about our script, and I was like, maybe we should make them, like, in the lore of, like, uh, not lore, but, like, in the sense of, like, responsibility that minorities have toward, like, their ailing parents. Yeah. Instead of having them, like, white. Make yeah, them, yeah. Like, Latino or something, and, like, that yeah. would make more sense. And Travis was like, yeah, that makes me, I was like, yeah, that makes more fucking sense. So. I, yeah, why'd you then, ask me to write but it then? then? <laughs> but, well, because I, you know, I need, I'm the ideas guy. I need someone to go, all right, Jamari, we need to do this, this, and this. Because yeah. I will. Yeah, constantly. he will. I've it literally, he's done it to me. And, he's, and Daniel will go, okay, so just the backtrack. That's how, I mean, that's how the Pearl script got written. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He and me and Goth just like hung out for two weeks in quarantine and wrote, hang out. And wrote Pearl. Yeah, uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I've got, I got a couple that I want to like pitch to you. Okay. Six. All right. See how it goes. Cool. We'll do it off mic. Uh, yeah. You have an Instagram tomorrow? Yes. Uh, it's me underscore Mario. I T Z M E underscore Mario. Hell yeah. Go follow, follow Mario. On he, d- he does these beautiful posts. He'll like, post I love your, yeah, your movies. stories of like all the iconic shots from particularly beautiful oh, yeah. movies are I kind just, of a treat. Dude, Mary Kate study. was saying, I just study. Mary uh, Kate like looked at me the other day and she's like, I love Jamara's Instagram. Like, she's like, I watch a movie and I'm like, that was a good movie. But when I look at his story, I'm like, oh, that was art. Like, was I looked at art. Movie. Yeah. And I was like, 
you should really tell about yourself. She's like, I don't. We don't have like phone numbers or like we don't really talk. And I was yeah. like, I will. Well, Mary Kay, I got Instagram. It's okay. I know. Through We're the eyes of a cinematographer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, there's an Instagram for this podcast. It's at uh, Scary Sunday Scary. Scary Sunday Scary. There's also a Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Scary Sunday. Please subscribe so we can get Jamario a better chair. Exactly. This subscribe on there. Guys. There's uh, bonus episodes up on there that come out like weeks earlier. Uh, there's an episode on Pearl that, as of this recording, is will be up on the Patreon. Uh, yeah, go check it out. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Trap the Guy. Uh, I'm at DG underscore Pappas. Uh, like we said, next week we are kind of in the peak of our slasher series with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. About it. Uh, thanks for hanging out tomorrow. Absolutely. It's, it's a privilege to have you on. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> have a good week, guys. Yep.